Hello and welcome to another thrilling episode of So To Speak. I'm Lyle Groniger, your host. My co-host Evan is unfortunately uh, AFK right now because he's on a little bit of a hush-hush side project. But uh, I'll let him talk about it when he's ready. I'm joined here today with my friends Cody McDonald from the 90s and Josh from a alternate universe. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about some more albums today. Wait, wait, wait. We're not talking about seasons 41 to 50 of The Simpsons? Get out. What? <laughs> I got prepared for this. I went into the future as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, oh, great. Are... Cody's a time lord now. We're doomed. Oh. Yeah. All I can say is my quick review of seasons 41 to 50 of The Simpsons. Where's the funny? <laughs> Funny.exe not found. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you should have went back in time. <laughs> Gotta Anyways. go back in time. <laughs> yeah. So, nope. like last We're time. Here. We are here to talk about music, and it's kind of nice, because the last time I was on your show, I was talking about Nickelback. So I think it's a good this opportunity again. to wash <laughs> that all that out of my mouth. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> you look so much cooler with something in your mouth. Oh, and don't. there's that joke. I'll stop. Mm. <laughs> We, we made Meanwhile, Lyle's over here giving me the side eye. No, because I made that same joke on that podcast, too. It's your favorite song. Well, What's you know it? what they say. Great minds think alike, or in this case, listen alike. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I guess today we're going to talk about five of our favorite albums, each of us, and we'll say what we like about them. And we're also going to recommend a few from each, uh, from each uh, entry. Starting today is our good buddy uh, Josh, who's new to this uh, discussion. So, uh, yeah, guess go first. I mean, I'm going to blow your minds with some of my picks, but uh, the first one I'm going to go with right off the bat is one of my, I would say, a tie for my album of the year for 2020, and that is the fantastic hip-hop record God Has Nothing to Do With This, Leave Him Out of It by Montreal rapper Backwash. She has been blowing up the last year. Just a fantastic flow. The production especially, if you like your horrorcore hip-hop and aspects of the really experimental stuff, things like clipping or death grips especially, those two I see a lot of in her work. I really also enjoy a lot of the features that she's worked with. She's worked with both uh, Devi and Ada from Black Dresses, which, side note, if you guys are interested at all listening to Black Dresses, check them out as well. Peaceful as Hell was another great record from last year, but... Uh, her flow on here is fantastic. I mean, there are some of the subject matter, yeah, some of the subject matter on this record goes into sort of coping with trauma and religion and sort of her sort of transgender identity, which I just want to make clear that she is transgender, but that is not the entire focus and that's not the entire thing about this record. So I definitely recommend that you sort of take that with a grain of salt, but I would say the the cool thing is the Black Sabbath samples on here because the the title track from the first Black Sabbath album gets worked into a lot on the title track, and I also nice. really like the sort of I wouldn't say interpolation, but definitely uh, I think you guys would both like Into the Void, just that chorus of I go into the void, and that sort of almost like primal release of the fuck, like I would 
listen to that a lot on when I was uh, walking to my old job. I would really enjoy that. And also the hook on spells is, is pretty good too. And uh, if if you guys want to get this album for yourself, it is on Bandcamp. It's only on there because of obviously the Black Sabbath samples. But it it, it won the Polaris Prize last year, which uh, for y'all listening that don't know, it's something I follow every year. It's basically like it's a $50,000 prize that's given to the best record in Canada, decided on by a grand jury of 11 people. And it was really awesome to see this come out of nowhere because like, when I hear something that's that fantastic and that culturally significant to Canadian music, you know, I, I I would definitely recommend that you guys get get used to her now because she's also coming up. She's coming out with another record in May of this year, and there's some really even better features on there too. You've got uh, Sadie Dupuis from Speedy Ortiz. You got Clipping. Uh, Ada and Devi are also collaborating again. So if you like this record, not not only go on Bandcamp and check out her back catalog, but check out her new record in May. It's going to be awesome. It's very nice. So is she like kind of a little bit more mainstream or more underground? I would say definitely underground. I mean, there's aspects of industrial on here, and like I said, horrorcore. Like, especially if you look up some of her live her live footage, the the video backgrounds here, there's clearly a bit more of a a noisy aesthetic there. But it's 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 worth checking out for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I nice. guess I guess now's the time we should probably mention that uh, you are a music critic. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> critic, reviewer, uh, yeah, I've been writing about music since 2017, on and off. Just, I would have written yeah. a lot more last year, just, uh, again, when you work a day job where you're a quote-unquote essential worker for most of that year, it really destroys your ability to cover stuff and keep up with everything. But, you know, I'm going to try and get back on that horse this year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's good. Do you have, like, your own blog? Um, no, when I, like, really, when I first started writing about stuff, this was about 10 years ago, I had a small show on my YouTube channel that I used to do, nothing really came of it, but I mean, I did some episodes on and off for a year, but I'm still sort of around in the reviewing community, it was when I started writing, like, in 2017, because I, I prefer to write more than talk, but, um, I've been writing mostly for Exclaim, which is a pretty known, uh, Canadian music magazine for I guess, since 2018, so this is like the third or fourth year now. I try and write a little bit, but uh, I, I like I said, I'm going to try and do that some more now that I've got some time. It's just I, I I like to keep lists basically. I keep lists, especially with um with the Polaris Music Prize. I sort of keep track of all that. I have like I'm looking at seven word documents right now. Mm. There's nice. like different phases. It's a long story. I'll explain later. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you definitely know. What you you definitely sound like you know what you're talking about. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I. Uh, it's funny with like music because you said it's a little bit more electronic, right? There's electronic aspects, but I would say there's. I mean, on the Polaris shortlist last year, this was probably the most metallic thing on there because there are points where like this thing is extremely heavy and it's awesome. Okay. I get that vibe just from the uh, cover art alone. I mean, yeah, it, it really just, it almost looks like some, it almost looks like something you'd see on a black metal record, kind of with the, uh, the way the shapes are kind of interlocking like that. And while there are some interludes on here, it's a really cohesive project. And 
Let me see, if I do my math, I think it's like less than 25 minutes, 20 to 25, so it's short enough that you can easily fit in a few lessons. It almost could be like an LP. I mean, technically it is. Uh, I'm hoping one day, I don't know how she would be able to do it, but I hope she is able to put this out on vinyl, because <clears throat> if that ever happens, I would crank this on my turntable. Yeah. Nice. You know what I was going to say about like electronic is that it's nice that that genre like i'll go into it a little bit more with my picks but uh it's cool how that i can actually go either heavy or a little bit more melodic it has a nice range to it well especially for a hip-hop record like this to incorporate all of that it's it's part of i mean i've always enjoyed more of the underground hip-hop stuff but especially now with so much in the streaming age you know being more accessible through Bandcamp and even through social platforms like TikTok or places yeah. like that. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more like this, and I'm really excited for that future. It's like a new world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A whole one, perhaps. A brave one. <laughs> All right. Well, if that's uh, your take on that, then uh, Cody, you're next. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, so I mentioned this individual before in one of our podcasts. I forget which one it was. I've been on these so often, <laughs> but uh, this man by the name of Justin Vernon, his stage name is Bonnie Barr. Um, he's been starting to get a little bit more attention lately. Uh, he was featured on uh, Taylor Swift's uh, surprise album, uh, Folklore. Um, and he's uh, featured in a few Kanye West songs uh, recently. But uh, one of his side projects was uh, Big Red Machine. And it's funny, when I really got into his music, I discovered that he has like a lot of side projects. And I almost feel bad even saying the word side project because he hates using that word. He just says, I like to just join in and collaborate with other people. He doesn't really like, like consider himself like a high standard when he's doing his music from Bonivar, which is nice, actually. He's, he, he's very humble, and that's why I like him so much. It really reflects his music. So with this album, Big Red Machine, it's self-titled, and it's weird. On the album, if you can actually see it, it says people off to the side. And I always thought, like, is that call is it called people? And I didn't find out till like months later. I'm like, oh, it's actually self-titled. <laughs> so it's actually it's a collaboration between him and Aaron Destner from The National, which is another uh, one of my favorite bands, favorite Canadian bands. And uh, it was recorded in Aaron Desser's uh, shed studio in, Huts in the Hudson Valley of New York. Oh, cool. So very, very small, very small scale. It's just them two and a few other people collaborating. Now, with this album, if you compare it to, like, Bonnie Varr's music, it's not so much of a stretch from what he's already been used to. But I will say that it's definitely the most... Uh, Concise album, more better structured structured album. Like if you listen to some Bonnie Bar songs, especially going through their albums, it's very up and down in terms of like where it's gonna go. It's unpredictable, which is why I love it. But not a lot of people would get get into it. But as a nice kind of warm up to his music, I would probably recommend uh, Big Red Machine because not only is the structure of the album a lot more tighter, but like the individual songs have like a, have a little bit more of a, you know, a typical verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, you know, so on kind of structure to it. Um, and it's kind of cool how it's almost like hip hop, but I wouldn't 
say it's entirely hip hop, but it's pretty amazing on how uh, Justin Vernon can sing like folk songs, but also there's like a couple songs, like there's a couple of rhythms in these in this album where it feels like he's hip hopping, and it's really cool actually. It just shows like the the versatility of his music style because like he's he has a very distinct baritone and falsetto voice. Um, so my favorite song off of it would probably be OMDB, which is hyphenated for uh, Over My Dead Body. <laughs> and it's a 11-and-a-half-minute uh, track. And damn, it's just it's good vibes. It's very... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It just has it all. It starts off with like an orchestra, and then it leads into just like a very mellow, nice drum beat and a little bit of hip hoppy, a little bit inside of it. But then it like goes down a bit in tempo, and then it picks up again with like an acoustic guitar, and like the drumming is like really gets really fast. And I don't know it's that's definitely my pick. But for you guys, Lyle, I would actually want you to listen to the song Forest Green. Because it's a bit of a slower song, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of bass and there's a really cool drum rhythm. Uh, and for okay. you, Josh, I would actually go with, uh, I wouldn't say the singles of the album, but the more, uh, more well-known songs, uh, I would go with Gratitude and I Won't Run From It. Uh, Gratitude mm -hmm. has like a very nice chorus in it with, uh, Well, I better not fuck this up. Well, I better not fuck this up. <laughs> Like, he auto-tunes his voice a lot in some of these songs, and it sounds so cool. Like, he could just be saying gibberish, and it just it sounds amazing, the way that he plays it. And um, I Won't Run From It is... It, it's it's kind of folky-ish, but there's a lot of electronic uh, in it, so it's a typical, you know, Justin Vernon kind of song. But that's a that particular song is a great example on how he can, like, go from, like, you know... Baritone, lower voice to falsetto and get higher. It's it's amazing. Nice. I mean, when I sing rock band, that is how my voice tends to go. So that's relatable <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Oh, I'm so guilty for when I play rock band. When I sing, I just try to mimic what the singer sounds like instead of me trying to find my own voice. Ah, always guilty to that. Totally. I mean, this sounds like an interesting record since I, I first heard of Bon Iver uh, about 10-ish years ago when uh, Bon Iver, Bon Iver came out. And I liked some tracks from that. I oh, did hear some of the stuff he worked on with Kanye on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yep. Can't say I'm as big a fan of The National, though. I mean, I, I, I think I like parts of Sleep Well Beast and uh, High Violet, but um, I'm not familiar enough with their discography to really say I'm a fan fan, but also the fact that both Justin and Aaron worked on uh, the Taylor Swift records from last year. Yeah. Like, well, if she's going to go into a folky phase or like a more indie kind of folky phase, might as well work with some of the best. Um, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, the big red machine is kind of an allusion to the fact that, you know, I think they're, I think they're both from Cincinnati or I'm pretty sure the national is based in Cincinnati. Uh, no, uh, I forget. Well, I know that just I know that Justin Vernon's from Wisconsin, but I do know that the National was formed, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Alberta. But that might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure that is wrong. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It'd but, be nice if they were. But yeah. Totally, yeah. 
But for the national, actually, I would recommend Trouble Will Find Me. I heard, I, I heard some of the singles from that around the time, like Graceless, Don't Swallow the Cap, ones like that. I just, Demons, yeah. It, it kind of goes all over the place for me. Yeah. But you, it's funny you name-dropped uh, Bonnie Barr's self-titled album. Uh, that's actually his second album. That's the very first thing that I've ever heard from him. And I was immediately hooked with the track one, Perth. Like, I was like, I'm listening to something that, like, I have never heard before. So that was kind of, like, my introduction to him. Like, I've not heard Forama Forever Ago, but I I, I plan to check that out. I definitely remember hearing a lot about uh, Holocene and Calgary at that time. Yes, yep. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned before, I won't repeat myself too much, but uh, uh, Forever, Forama Forever Ago was basically, like, a venting album after his former band and his girlfriend broke up with him at the exact same time and he like isolated himself in his father's cabin in the middle of Wisconsin. Oh, okay. He, so it became Bear Grylls. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Man versus wild. He's, when he's that was guy, a thing. He's the guy who drinks his own pee. <laughs> this uh, is a really weird tangent to be going down. <laughs> it kind of is. But no, like, <laughs> seeing that sort of organic sound from his earlier days of folk and just him with an acoustic guitar carried over to his electronica kind of stuff is is, is quite refreshing, actually. That oh, sounds interesting. And, and yeah, that's 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 Big Red Machine. Not much to say about <laughs> it. It's yeah. uh, it's a, an acquired taste, as I have mentioned before about Bonnie Bear. Well, you seem to like him a lot, so that's great. Hey, like is an yeah. understatement. Love, I love him, adore him, and I love and I love how Josh pronounced his name right, Bon Hevar. Bon <laughs> it means. I, I took my French classes. Yes, it means good winter in French. Here so next, next up is my first pick of the night. Uh, uh, this is an album that is a bit of a deviation from uh, this band's uh, earlier work. Um, my pick is Attack on Memory by Cleveland band Cloud Nothings. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's kind of funny how these guys were like kind of like power pop, kind of indie at the beginning, and then they make this really dark turn of an album, which is going to be a theme you're going to see with another pick of mine later tonight. But uh, Attack on Memory is what I like to call the spiritual successor to Spiderland, which is what I talked oh. about last album. Or not last yep. album, last, last time we talked about albums on our podcast. But it did inspire your album. It did, yes. Um, these plug, guys... Plug, plug. <laughs> uh, Just plug it in. You know you want to do it. I did it. I did it last year. <laughs> I want to do other things, please. I don't want to be the Sid Phillips boy. <laughs> Alright, um, so what this album does is it has... I don't know if you know too. There, it's a very apocalyptic-sounding album. It almost sounds like something that would happen after like a like a giant outbreak that wastes most of the world. <clears throat> um, it has a lot of like scratchy vocals and intricate guitar interludes. Like I, every time I listen to this album, I just listen to this vocalist, and it just sounds like he really needs like a lozenge, like so bad. He always. Just tears apart his voice, especially when he bellows. There's like, there's a pretty good. I, I said this is a dark album, but there's a pretty good blend of like some upbeat like uh, songs and like downbeat tunes. It, it and it it starts really really low. Uh, the first track of the album, like "No Future No Past," which is a really good way to kick off the album. It's like 
has a lot of piano and a lot of grumbly vocals and it's just very it's very low um as there's just like all this it, it's almost like an emotional rainstorm that just falls onto your ears like i really I, I, if i'm in a very like if i'm just like walking around the city at night this is the album i typically listen to the most um so yeah, my favorite song on the album is No Future, No Past. I know it's the first song on the album, but it's the one I listen to the most. Um, Cody, uh, I, you remember uh, Becoming One of Them, right? Uh, Becoming One of Them. It's a, it's a zombie short that I directed last or two years ago. Oh, yes. Sorry, yeah, I knew that <laughs> name. I was drawing a blank for a second. Yes, yeah, yeah of course. Yes, I make short films. <laughs> That's my character trait. Um, I directed one, a zombie film, like, two years ago, and in order to get into the headspace of the character, I listened to this album nonstop. And in terms of okay. recommend, in terms of, re I even, uh, when I, like, the, the main actor I was working with was like, Lyle, how do I get in the headspace of this character? And I just played, like, one of the tracks off the album. He's like, this is too sad. This is making me cry. I gotta, I gotta turn it off. I'm like, yeah, now you know how I feel. It's um, if I had to recommend songs to you guys, um, Josh, I would recommend Separation. It's an instrumental track um, as well. I also think you'd really like um, No Sentiment because it has like that really thin guitar line. Then the drums just go... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> we started a war! <laughs> and, and Cody... Um, since you really love long songs, you almost have oh, yeah. a, you have a fetish for it. I have <laughs> to I have to give you the 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 magnum opus of the album uh, "Wasted Days," which is a nine, a nine minute um a nine minute song that just has all this frustration built up to this like crescendo of a long like uh, bridge scene. It's just like the bass is just like thumping, like dunk, 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 and the guitar is like all lonely and diddling away. The lead singer just starts screaming at the top of his lungs. It's like I thought I would be more than this, and he starts getting louder and more abrasive. It's like a giant like uh, climax, and ironically, it's the second song of the album, so that's not even the end. <laughs> But, um, you had me at nine minutes. <laughs> nine minutes. That's your go. Anyway, I you love, had me at nine minutes. <laughs> I love listening to that song after like a really like fruitless day at work. Like I just like jump on the TTC and listen to it. I can listen to Echoes by Pink Floyd, which is a twenty-minute song, and it feels like only five minutes. <laughs> that's oh, yes. how much I love songs. Yeah. So uh, that's mostly all I have to say about Attack on Memory. It's a uh, a nice little uh, emotional uh, roller coaster of an album, and I highly recommend it. Especially I heard this record, like I heard part of it in 2012, and yeah, that's when I, came I, out, I, yeah. I, I never listened to the whole thing, but I, I, I was really impressed with what I did hear of it. Um, I do want to get into them, like I want to listen to the rest of this because I remember following uh, the band around when they released the net, this the follow up to this one here or nowhere else. It would have been like 2014. Yeah, and then I'm just the saying they've put been putting stuff out like something every one or two years. They literally just put something out like last week as we're recording this. Yeah, they also did. The, I'm, I'm not familiar with all their other albums. The only one I know is um, a collaboration album they made with Waves called No Life For Me. 
That's a that's a pretty decent like pop punk album. I liked it. It was it was it was raw, like most stuff by Waves. And yeah, Waves. They they did that song "God Is Dead," right? Nine is God. Off Nine the, is God. Off the G- off the GTA Five uh, soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I always throw that on if I'm driving around in that game. That's a great song. Oh, I, yeah, Waves is great. So, Josh, your next album for the night. So my next album for the night, well, with a lot of these, I was thinking initially, should I go older? Should I go newer? Should I have all Canadian stuff? Should I be diverse? So it's a bit of a mix of blend and stuff. And I hope you guys know your Japanese. Uh, Maximum the Hormone with their sophomore album, Buiki Kais, uh from 2007. I only got into Maximum the Hormone around my final year of high school, which was around 2011. And this is probably my favorite record from them. It has a lot of deeper cuts that I think a lot of people should really get into because chances are, if you watched anime, you already know at least two tracks from this. If you All ever right. watched a little show called Death Note, that should be perfectly clear. Yeah, Veronica well, introduced I- me to that show. Yeah, I've seen all of Death Note. Well, the, I it's been like a, a few years since I've seen Death Note, but I do recall that there was only like a few music tracks that they reused over and over again throughout the course of the show. I just mm-hmm. forget how they go, but I just remember making a note like that, like, oh, there's a lot, a lot of the same music happening. It's like Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without the damn good coffee. Yeah. Yes, or the pie. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Audrey Horn just dancing to herself. In the diner. <laughs> that's that's well, what that I was. Case, listen to what's up, people in Zetsbo Billy again, and you should remember them because, again, most people, at least in the West, heard of them through them being the opening and ending songs for Death Note. But I think, especially with the tracks I'm going to recommend, there are some really good, like other deeper cuts on here. I think this one was a single, but I'm going to recommend this one to you, Cody. Uh, Bikini Sports Ponchin. It's got this really catchy, almost like a punk funk like sort of the dance rock that was popular in the mid 2000s over here uh and it's it's especially if you can look at the music video it's basically like it starts with the whole like it looks like the sperm are going towards an egg and it has this whole theme about i guess like you know the dating and sexual tension and all that but it's just got that catchy chorus of bikini sports punching bikini sports punching Bikini sports punching, monkey spawn a big punching. All right. But okay. it, it, it has heavier points too, because a lot of times they get compared to the Japanese system of a down. That's not entirely true because they can get a little bit more off the rails, but their lyrics are also very satirical and they make fun of a lot of stuff in the music industry yeah. over there. Oh, yeah. And uh, for you, Lyle, Black Gen Power G Men Spy. Not uh, only is that a nice sort of short, aggressive song, it's got some rapped vocals in there, but uh, the bassist, Uichan, who, if you like your slap bass throughout their discography, you get a lot of that, but on this song especially, he has a nice bass solo, and especially with the production, they mix the bass pretty clearly, so you did, you can definitely hear it, but it's got that bass solo, and at the same time, there's a short little drum solo going on at the same time. It's like... I can't really emphasize a slap bass, but that's cool. That sounds pretty rad. I like that. It does. Um, And for for most people, I mean, it was only up until I think a year or two ago where they their old record label after they signed with Warner Japan finally put uh, some of their stuff up on streaming here in the West. So if you've got if if you want to check them out on streaming, please do. They have a lot of a lot of enjoyable songs on here. 
Uh, for people listening, I'd also recommend uh, Koen Omega Lover. It's a really catchy song. It has some of the same sort of uh, dance rock moments as Bikini Sports Ponchin. And a song that is kind of funny for the walls, but it's basically just sort of making fun of the over-sexualization uh, in the music industry over there. It's Choo uh, Choo Lovely Muni Muramura Prin Prin Bombo Nunu I hope I pronounced that correct. Basically, it's an onomatopoeia of various sound effects that are supposed to be like referring to just like kissing and groping and all these sexual things. But it's, okay. it's, it's, it's actually a really fun song. Okay. Well, it sounds very it stimulating. It, it doesn't. It doesn't categorize itself as K-pop, does it? Or is that more that oh. that come later? No, it's well. There's aspects of J-pop in the uh, the vocals for sure. I mean, there are some really good harmonies, but the main reason I went with this was because the title track, especially, which is probably one of my favorites from. I mean, I know it opens it up, but when my uncle passed away in early 2012 around leading up to and around that time i listened to this record a lot and especially the title track which deals with you know the process processing death and grief mm. it really helped me through that time and uh, if you can look at if you can find the music video it basically deals with the same subject matter there's a funeral uh there's sort of like sort of sort of honoring and paying respects to someone and sort of knowing that you will see them again but still that like they should have had another another shot at life, and right. yeah, it's a nice sentiment that I think sort of comes to at certain other points, but especially because that helped me through some some darker moments in my life. Mm. That's oh. the best thing about music is that it can connect with you at any point in your life, oh, and then absolutely. maybe if it doesn't click with you, maybe if it doesn't click with you initially, like it can later on, like it could be an album where a few songs click with you before, like right at the beginning, but then the more you listen to it, there's actually some tracks that click with you way later on too, which is nice. Yeah. That's happened to me numerous times. Mm -hmm. mm. That's really nice. But uh, that's all I've got to say about that one. Um, you could look up lyric translations on like genius, for example, it's not going to be, I mean, it might be a one-to-one -one depending on the annotations, but so kind of thing where it's hard to Google Translate songs because you may not be getting the full intent of everything, but if you definitely want to broaden your metal horizons, please check them out. I hope they put out another record soon. They put out an EP like a year or two ago, but especially with how the world's going right now, I don't know if we'll get much new music from them. But they have a YouTube channel if you want to check out some other cool stuff they do. Okay. Yeah, I'll, Sweet. I'll post a link below. Timestamp. Mm -hmm. Bam. Plug. <laughs> Very nice, very nice, Josh. What's your all right, Cody? What's your What's your pick, Cody? All right. Uh, so first of all, do you guys know the band Fools? Yes, vaguely, yes. Okay. The reason why I'm asking is because uh, at first they were an independent band from the UK, and now within the last year, or I know I should say from 2019, they released a double album uh, called. Uh, Everything not saved will be lost. And it was a two-parter. And that was kind of the black album. Or I should say it's the both albums were sort of the black album. And what I'm referring to the black album is, a, is that it's this analogy that I use where when a band has a great course and they're appealing to such a niche audience, uh, they all of a sudden make an album that appeals so broadly to the mainstream, which to its credit could have some iconicness to it. But after that, 
it just kind of like their quality sort of diminishes. And I'm referring to like Metallica because everything from Kill 'Em All to Injustice of All was like Metallica in the heyday. But then the Black Album was sort of so fucking huge and mainstream that it, afterwards it kind of like it was sort of the death of them. So the whole point I'm getting at is that Foles sort of started off like a very uh, had a very cool, unique sound to them. Like they had, uh, you know, they're, how I always describe to people is that um, their sound is almost like the Black Keys. If Black Keys and the and U two had a baby, basically, like they just have a really cool rock synth kind of vibe to them. So I, the only reason why I ask is just because I want to know if most people ha know about them now after this. This they just kind of went mainstream a bit a few years ago. But with that being said. My favorite album off of them is the one that got me into them, Holy Fire, from 2013. That was uh, recorded at the Assault and Battery Studio in London, England. So, yeah, like, like I said, this band is a lot of fun. And it's no disrespect to like their their latest albums. There's a lot of really good tracks off of it. But this album is like them and their heyday because they are just such a fun band with like their dance songs and like they're just their pure rock kind of feels like very nice live music with a lot of like distortion to their like guitar riffs but also they can have like a lot of like kind of cool synthesizing harmonies to back it up but they also have such cool atmosphere that's just always there in the background with all their songs that i always find really soothing uh, my girlfriend veronica got me into them and what was so funny is that I became so obsessed with them, I kind of like got her more into them because she wasn't really that big of a fan. So it kind of brought it back full circle. Um, my favorite song off of the album, it's a bit tricky, but I will say that definitely the Gateway song, if you've never heard, if anyone out there is listening to this and they haven't heard of Foles, I would say listen to the song Intruder. Because that's a track that is just everything you want to hear about Foles. Because it's a very nice, like, head-bopping dance kind of song with a cool beat to it. And then it just sort of ramps up to this very loud guitar, and then it just explodes into this jam, hard rock kind of... Uh, so, not I wouldn't say solo, but it's, it's kind of like the chorus of the song is the instrumental uh, hard rock portion of it. And then it goes back to the dance kind of... You know, boom, 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 sticks and stones will break my bones. It's so cool. It's very, I, I just love it so much. Um, but the definitely the biggest track off of this album. And if uh, Evan, if you're out there listening, wherever you're at, uh, I would listen to the song My Number, which is sort of one of their biggest hits. I quite um, like that one. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's funny, my girlfriend and I saw them at uh, the nightclub Rebel here in Toronto two, two years ago, pre-COVID. <laughs> uh, it was such a small, cool venue, and we got like right up to the stage almost, and man, such a great, such a great time. And when they were doing my number, the entire crowd was just jumping up and down. You don't have my number. We don't need to tell right now. I mean, um, really, who needs phone numbers when everyone just has Zoom IDs? That's very true. Yeah, uh, the day that we, yeah, the world we live in. <laughs> uh, so Lyle, I absolutely recommend the song Providence because that mm -hmm. it, it's not it's a very 
it's a very that's more of their of them just jamming out pure hard rock. Okay. I know it cannot be true. I'm an animal just like you. And it just it's a very fast song. In fact, uh, the guitar and the lead the guitarist and lead singer uh Yenis, I'm forgetting his last name. Yenis. He jumped yeah, jumped, uh, when, he, when he was just like riffing on his solo with the guitar, he like jumped into the crowd. Uh, it's Giannis Philippakis. Giannis Philippakis. I thought it was Giannis. Giannis Philippakis. Giannis Philippakis. If you look at him, he looks oh. like the biggest hipster you'll ever see in your life. But no, he's an awesome guy. Okay. I recommend their little uh, documentary, uh, "Rip Up the Road." Okay. Uh, no, yeah, he jumped into the crowd playing that song, but it's a very fun song. And also, Out of the Woods has a really good bass line in it. Okay, bass line. Nice. So, Josh, I know you said you're kind of a little bit familiar with them, so... Yeah, I definitely heard Inhaler in my number when this came out. Yeah, that's kind of one of their... It's it's also Spanish Sahara off of their previous album, uh, Total Life Forever, is a, is a really great love ballad. I like the artwork for that one. Anything involving water imagery, I'm, I'm a sucker for. Oh, yeah, it's a really great blue-looking album. Uh, but the songs off of Holy Fire, I would recommend uh, Milk and Black Spiders. So it's it's I wouldn't it's it's kind of a love song, but it's it's it's. It's definitely one of their more straightforward songs, but it's also very effective in terms of its, uh, its. I don't want to say structure, but it it really has like a cool it, the way it builds off of itself. I would say, but speaking of building off itself, I would actually recommend uh, "Late Night" to you, Josh. That's a song that starts off so slow. And then it just keeps building and building and building and building and building until it just explodes in such a loud song by the end. And the music video is also very explicit and violent and very subtle. I'd recommend checking that one out. Um, yeah, no, out of all the, the past few years, you know, me getting kind of into the independent rock music, uh, I, would, I, I, I just really like Foles a lot. I think they're a lot of fun. I'm hearing and, a lot. I'm hearing fun a lot. <laughs> As you described they them. Fun. They're fun. They're an absolute blast. There's only listen. one band called Fun, and maybe you'll find out what I think about them on the next one of these. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I, I can't say enough <laughs> great things about them. They're a lot. <laughs> they are a lot of F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. Oh, oh God. God. It all down here in the deep blue sea. We already did a SpongeBob oh, episode. We already did a SpongeBob <laughs> episode, Cody. I thought it was out of your system. <laughs> oh no! Oh, never... <laughs> Wait, we did? No, I'm joking. Oh, well. Speaking of getting things out of your system, I'm feeling raunchy, guys. And right now, my pick next is from a very great Toronto band. Death Let's from... go! You're Let's a... go! You're a woman. I'm a machine. By Death from Above, 1979. Yeah, here we go. This is a rigorous white-knuckled experience from beginning to end. Their debut album contains everything that made them like the big name that they are. They got uh, non-stop drums. They have uh, growly vocals. I, I still can't believe they're a two-person band because their sound is so like thick. I noticed that a lot with a lot of like, band, like rock duos. That, I, I don't know if it's the mixing or something, but they always sound so tight. And I can't believe yeah. the the drummer himself is like the vocalist. I thought the bassist was, but no, it's the 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 drummer. 
And then I have no, to talk. He's too busy with all those awesome pedals he uses and the effects and everything. Mm -hmm, yeah, Jesse F. Keeler is like a really, really good influence of me. And uh, I, I love his sound. He can do so many things with like the instruments. So not just like notes or anything. Like he can make scratches, squeals, he can drone. He can play synthesizer at the same time. And it's just, uh, yeah, he's got an impeccable range on his instrument. It's like the driving harmonic force of the entire album. Um, my uncle my uncle said he saw them in concert, and they were just, like, oh. incredible. He was raving about them. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw like, uh, concert footage of them at this, like, dive bar. And they just come in all cool with their black jackets, and they take it off, and they just start playing. And Jesse's got his, like, transparent, like, bass, like, on display. And everyone's yeah. just banging their heads away to their songs. Um, I do, I don't mind their other albums, but of, of all of them, I find this one most, uh, solid all the way through, which is the kind of the case with most debuts, I feel sometimes, but, um, if I had to recommend, I, I know Josh knows it. Actually, Josh, I remember when we I talked about this, this record. You I have can, this record. I can prove. You can pick your own song. You can pick your own yeah. recommendations. I remember if y'all don't know romantic fucking rights by now, seriously, well, come that here, song slap. Come here, baby. I like your company. We can do it and start a family. I mean, come on. I'm not asking a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I remember no, uh, that, that baseline. The do 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 do. Just just from that, it's like I mean, I may have first heard that song in a, a snowboarding video game, but it, it's uh, it's one of the best. I would say one of the best rock songs of the mid two thousands. Yeah, I, I, it's crazy. He gets that sound from like scratching his nails onto the bass strings. Like that's pretty rad. Like mm -hmm. I, my fingers tremble just by thinking of that. Um, I remember, I remember Josh when we were talking about this album like a few years ago. You were like, we were talking about the lyrical content of a lot of these songs, and you were just like, "Yeah, it feels like this band was in heat when they made this album." In a way, yeah. Just there's a lot of tension on here, and but all at the same time, a lot of it's like one of those once in a lifetime that once in a lifetime chemistry. That while there are two other records after this and soon to be third, I have heard bits and pieces. I don't really think they captured their sound as well as they did on here. I mean, I, if you I'd guys, agree. if you want to look up the documentary "A Life After Death," which basically chronicles. Uh, the band sort of early days up until their at the time a uh, reunion performance at Coachella 2011 again that year's coming up a lot tonight it sort of foreshadows the eventual uh, return of them with this physical world in 2014 but i only really like maybe one song from that record but with this it's i mean you've said it's the most consistent one all the way through but like yeah. there are faster moments uh one of the slower moments on here black history month is actually like that song. A, a pretty yeah. riveting song on its own and just there's also a few tracks in there about, uh, I believe it's uh, Sebastian Granger's parents' divorce. I think it's, uh, it might be Black History Month. Uh, also, I think um, maybe Blood on Our Hands, Blood on Our Hands, and Cold yeah, War funny. as well. And then, of course, there's just the goofy sort of punk rock natured uh, O2 Plan B or Plan C pull out. <laughs> That's a good one. I was gonna say. Uh, that. And I also oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that's probably the one I figured I'd recommend to you because it has the most drum patterns in it. I also really love the, uh, the the smooth sensuality of the closing track, Sexy Results, the little bongos, and just like, uh, don't super help, sexy, like the little whispering, like it's that's, got a good groove to it. 
That's the longest song on the album too. It clocks in like six minutes. But and, and again, much like other ones, there's a lot of moments you can dance to. And I think with a track like Black History Month, I remember when Indie 88 first launched here in Toronto, a uh, Metrics cover of that song I heard from time to time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and I remember when I when I first moved in in Toronto in uh, like 2013. Basically, everywhere I went, someone was always wearing like the the a shirt with like the two guys, and they have like elephant trunks coming out of their faces. And I'm like, what is this? I'm like, is this like a restaurant or something? Is this like smokes poutineery or something? But no, there was uh, one diner, there was one diner that had like a giant sticker of it. I just forget the name of the diner, but it was always on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I it always took, saw this. Yeah, and it took me a while to figure out where that was from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I'd, I'd see stickers of their faces everywhere. I'm like, where are these guys? And <laughs> yeah, that's where it's from. It's from uh, You're a Woman, I'm a Machine. So, recommendations. I already, I mean, Josh is very well versed in this album, but Cody, if I was to recommend at least, I don't know, you, I, I think you just have fun listening to this whole album. It's like, it's pretty breezy. It goes, it, it's pretty rigorous yeah. all the way throughout, but, um, Romantic rights definitely going steady is quite a bop. If oh, that's they, another bop too. That if they awesome. ever made a Sunset Overdrive too, that song has to be in the trailer. Just mm. like riding rails and like shooting monsters, that's a good uh, kick-ass song. Uh, Black History Month is actually pretty um, good. It's very, it's, it's not rigorous. It's very, it, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of, it's a good marchy song. Like if you're just walking in the rain or something. Um, and then yeah. towards the end, it does the hold on, children, hold yeah, it on. Has that, hold, it, it holds on that for the last bit. It keeps yeah. swelling. Yeah, it has a good uh, crescendo in its outro, too. Yeah. Uh, little Girl, I actually really like. That one's really, nice, too. Yeah, it's a good song. That's yeah. a good one. And um, I, <laughs> you want to talk about crazy bass lines? You're a woman, I'm a machine, has to be like made with a computer or something because that's a very fast song. So it sounds like you're recommending the whole album. <laughs> there's not really Basically, a song. <laughs> there's not really one song I can pick away that it's like, uh, that's the definitive I, one. I haven't heard this one, but I have heard uh, Outrage is Now. That was their last record. Was their I last was not one. a fan of that one. I only liked one song off that album. I liked Freeze Me. I remember liking that I was that weird time when they decided to go by Death from Above again after years of not, and then they went back to 1979 for this upcoming record it was it was a weird thing i i wasn't much of a fan of that one personally okay yeah maybe I'll, yeah i'll go back to their debut there, some bands are a lot stronger you know their first kick in the kick in the game so yeah it was kind of funny. i have this one on vinyl but i would nice. love to get the uh record store day uh 2014 version that's like pink vinyl because like nice. that color suits that cover art but the only copy on discogs is 140 bucks i mean with mm -hmm. shipping or without shipping that's like 150 something so still it's it's a little bit of a pretty penny for me right now yes for a, an album you already own but hey, it's a good collector I, I do agree like a pink uh vinyl would be perfect for this i like colored vinyls it's an aesthetic thing yeah i think i have i think i have a blue blue album by weezer actually that's, that's, that's blueception i know right <laughs> we'll be talking about the color pink soon but yeah uh I, I think i've said enough i remember one guy i was on a film set and i was talking about death from above 1979 they were like 
Why is it 1979? I'm like, well, maybe it's like a That's blank. The whole records thing with uh, James Murphy of LC Sound System, and they went by 1979 to avoid any potential lawsuits, even though there was no legal action ever taken. And then that's why they went back to Death from Above for uh, that third album, because like they just decided to drop it and see what happened, and nothing happened. So yeah, it was 19, 1979. Did they do that song called Chocolate? Um, I don't know. I don't know any songs by them called Chocolate. All I know is, is like, yeah, I, I was figuring it was like a Blink-182 situation where they have to add a random number at the end. But it turns out um, 1979 was the year that um, the lead singer-drummer was born. So that's why, that's the significance of that number. So maybe I should make a band and just go like something something 1995 and I'll just go from there. Just literally call it something something 95. Sorry to correct my, sorry to correct myself. It's actually the 1975, the band that has oh, the yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> no one ever yeah. gonna quit it. No one ever gonna quit it. No. Yep, that's the one. That uh, was a mood in 2013. Well, gang, looks like we solved another mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Quick little question before you we move on to Josh. Uh, do do when do you guys know uh, Black Mountain? Yes, I do know of them. They're pretty good. Yeah, uh, pretty like psyche psyche rock band, a little bit like early metal at times. Yeah, maybe if we do a vol, I hope we do a volume three one day, or a volume four, volume five of of this. But uh, no, I'd love to talk about Wilderness Heart. So yeah, yeah. I want to yeah. listen to that one. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Okay, but we'll <laughs> see. That, I believe, as a wealthy side, that's the one with the shark on the cover. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's that's pretty badass. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, we're gonna go from a shark on the album cover to one of the sweetest and most beautiful, like pop rock um power pop leaning records like when i think of one of my favorite records of all time this is high high atop the list the sophomore album from jukebox the ghost everything under the sun from 2010 i first got into this band uh in late 2010 early 2011 around the time this album came out and it was actually bolstered by the fact that some of the tracks from this record were charted by an authoring group and put into rock band uh, rock band 3 via the rock band network and the fact that I could play almost half of this record in Rock Band was huge to me at the time. Mm. And once I heard once once I heard the opening uh, piano line on the opening track Schizophrenia, like I was hooked. I mean, I may not have liked the last Jukebox of the Ghost record, but their first three and this especially is where they hit their peak. It's sunny, it's bouncy, it's wordy at times. And the lyrical themes range from like you know love and relationships and whereas yeah it's a pianist and vocalist ben thornwell brighter side of life and guitarist and backup vocalist tommy siegel kind of is more the cynic at times but he writes also about stuff about the apocalypse which if you want to see a lot of really good darker tracks check out their debut album from 2008 let live and let ghosts really good stuff on there but this one is the best mix of melodic and some even some like proggier moments on the track the sun which uh for cody i would definitely say uh i mean i would say empire is a great song that sort of mixes the poppier moments but also it does feel like kind of i mean this is kind of an easy criticism for some people to say like it's a rejected high school musical song <laughs> book basically because some of those tracks are pretty catchy and peppy yeah. but i, I also I was, really I, Oh, sorry. I was just about to say, I, I, I was listening to a couple of tracks off of this album. I, I did hear Schizophrenia. Yeah, it's a really fast song to, to really open up everything. 
but I really liked. Uh, uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting the name. Uh, nobody, nobody. Nobody is like a great credit song. I feel to close it out. You got when the horns come in. That mm -hmm. really makes it. Um, I would also recommend if you if you like Empire. I would also recommend the really. There's no other way to say it. The beautiful vocal harmonies and the piano line on "So Let Us Create." That's just warm and soft and it's it's a real sort of a comfort food equivalent of a song now for lyle i would probably go with i would actually go with uh a tie between half crazy and the stars half crazy <laughs> is one of the more rockier tracks and it sort of deals with i guess worrying about someone so much that it's affecting your mental health so much so that in the chorus one of the lines is like my left eye's gone lazy worried about you huh and then the stars, on the other hand, is probably like from a lyrical standpoint, the most cerebral. Basically, about I think it was about a, a dream that Tommy Siegel had about like like his apartment being flooded or something. Uh, let me just see if I can bring up the lyrics to describe it more in there. But it's also got this really, and I would recommend listening to the Sun Interlude because it segues right into that track. But it sort of has this nice bridge part where the the piano is going do 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 do. Ah, my voice cracked, but it keeps that piano line going, and then the guitar comes in, and then the drums are like going over all of that. So it's a nice dancey groove. The one downside with this band, at least for you, being a bassist, is they don't really have a bassist. They're just a trio: uh, piano, guitar, and drums. But I think Tommy does do bass on the studio records. But right. there are some bass parts in there. Let me just see here. Well, I mean, just because I'm a bassist doesn't mean I can't appreciate songs that you know. No, of course. I'm just. Bass. I was thinking because like the ones that are the most active. You know, like those those lyrics, like in this one. And the lights were complicated, and so we all just prayed to the spirits above and below that the water would never reach us in time. But I had a feeling that we'd never get to 2009. Mm. Pretty cerebral. Um, yeah. And anybody that likes Broadway, uh, check out the popular thing. That one's kind of a, a very catchy Broadway-esque number about peer pressure. All right. And like how um, you shouldn't just do something if everybody else is doing it. Like if and if you want to do the popular thing, oh well, well then follow away. But if you want to find something unique, oh, oh you can't look that way. Because if you give it even more than a peak, oh oh, well then you will have changed, and and so on and so forth. I see, I see. I, I could go on about this record all day, but I'm just. <laughs> li please listen to this. It's fantastic. Okay. For sure. I've seen them twice. Oh, nice. Oh, good. Yeah, it's, with this band, it's interesting because I've been able to get at least several other people, uh, whether it be friends or significant others, into this band through this record. And it's a real gateway to if you want to check out some really good power pop. And there was like my first real relationship was with someone that was also really into this band. And that was like the first case like, oh, there's people out there that actually like the same things you do, even if you think you're the only person that likes them that much. So okay. I owe a lot to this record. That's cool. Wow. I look forward to hearing it. It's meaningful to you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely it is. I'll have to dig out my old uh, Rock Band 3 kit. Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I dropped out after Rock Band 2. Never mind. <laughs> I, the songs aren't available anymore, but yeah. it, what what system do you have? Um, 
I don't have a system anymore. I used to have a PS3, but it's on my dad's now. So. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. some other time I'll explain. <laughs> uh, I want to play those games so badly again. It's been years. Yeah. What's your uh, next? You got to give up an arm and a leg now because. Oh, I was just gonna, you have to give up an arm and a leg to buy rock band instruments now because they're like out of print and they're so rare. It sucks. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I doubt the I, instruments even work anymore. No, they do. I mean, uh, with the um, with my electronic drum set still works fine. I just have the legacy adapter or the the Mini Pro adapter from last gen just plugs in and works. Um, all the old guitars, like with the dongles and stuff, at least on PS4, work. Xbox, you need like a legacy adapter, and th- and then you need your Mini Pro adapter on top of that. So that's where it gets dicey. Yeah, I had the PS2 version, so uh, that's pretty bad. That's going back a ways. <laughs> A quick question: Can PlayStation Two instruments work on PlayStation Three? I believe most of them could, with like a little adapter where you plug the PS Two end into there, and then the USB end would plug into the PS Three. It should pick up. There's probably an instrument compatibility chart you could look up on the internet that has a bit more detailed. uh, Okay. Chart. Sounds good. All right, my next album. Uh, To quote our good friend Evan, I'd be remiss. If I'd bring up an album from the 1990s, my one and only album from the 1990s, actually, it is U2's At Chung Baby. All right. Probably one, of the more, probably one of the more iconic and classic albums out of the ones I'm talking about tonight. Uh, it was recorded at the Hansa Studio in Berlin. Now, what's interesting is that they chose this uh, studio because it is about a few blocks away from where the Berlin Wall was taken down. Mm. And at that time, that was that was eighty nine. The wall was destroyed, and this album was ninety one. So around the time that they were recording this, they were just around. They were just there so recently in history. So pretty, uh, pretty topical. Pretty, you know, they're they're a very political band, so it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's funny. My history with U two was I was really big with them in high school, mainly all their stuff in between war, uh, the unforgivable, unforgettable fire. I think that's what it's called. I and, so, yeah. Yeah, and of course, Joshua tree. Um, but it was mainly like their hit songs. Like it's, I never really like got into them, like in terms of their deep cuts or albums. It was just kind of listening to like a, like a greatest hits or kind of collaborate a combination of them. But when I started listening and really getting into them and I, I kind of regret doing this, but like, I thought like their peak was, uh, was rattle and hum. Now for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I know Josh made a face <laughs> for a lot of people. Like this is like, like the time where like, you know, even like ro- people like Rolling Stone magazine, were calling them like posers, like thinking that they're just like hitting way too high too soon and trying to play with the big boys in terms of like playing with BB King and uh, you know, all, all these like amazing classic uh, uh, blues sling- singers and all that, that eventually the band actually started to think the same way. Like, yeah, we, we kind of regret doing that. So we, we now enter into the, into the nineties and with this album at young baby. And this was at a time where they really wanted to try to reinvigorate themselves and their sound and damn, did they pull it off pretty nicely. And I just listened to this album just fairly recently for the first, not for the first time, but actually getting into it because my girlfriend had not really heard of U two that much. I'm like, what U two 
Bono, The Edge. Oh, what are they teaching this place? I was like losing my mind. <laughs> so I started, I started playing like a bunch of their essentials on Apple Music. And then I was sort of like listening to like some of these songs like uh, uh, Who's Gonna Ride Your Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses, uh, you know, Trying to Throw Your Arms Around the World. Uh, even better than the real thing, the opening track, Zoo Station. I just kept like going, damn, that's a good song. That's a good song. I've never heard that when I was in high school. Damn. So eventually I listened to At Chung Baby, and I'm like, something just clicked with me. And this was only like back in like September, October. I went, this is a fucking incredible album. And it's become, it is now my favorite YouTube album of all time. There's like something so groovy and awesome that just screams that time. And it was so funny when I was looking up little facts about it. Um, the, you'd be surprised, you know, uh, this is a band, like, you know, it's U2. Like, they've been around for, like, 40, almost 40 years, and it's just been them four. Uh, Bono, The Edge, Adam, and uh, Larry. Larry. Yeah, Larry. And it's just been them four, and you think that they get along really well, but, like, they actually clashed a lot, and especially during this album where they felt like this wasn't going to work. But then it wasn't until they recorded, no pun intended, one particular song that really brought them together. And <laughs> it was because of the improvisational lyrics and uh, music playing of one that uh, made them believe, yeah, we have the confidence that this is going to be a really great album. We got something here. Nice. And one, one basically, it's basically one of the best songs ever recorded, I would say. See, now I'm thinking of Bono, like, trying to think, Darkness imprisoning me, all that I see, absolute horror. Oh, wait, that sounds so familiar. What, what is that? You the other big that... song by a band that's oh, called right. One. Oh, One, right, yeah, you yeah, You mentioned yeah. them it... earlier on this podcast. How do you... It also, one also reminds do? me a little bit of One Love People Get Ready by uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers, which... Uh, it has that one love, yeah. One love. It it sounds like it's it's the chorus of one love. People get ready, but just changed a little bit. One yeah. thing I don't know why it doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep Bro. that in mind. Yeah, I did don't that. Although it would be funny yeah. seeing sing Bono it. sing in the end. Stop <laughs> singing about McDonald's, Lyle. <laughs> well, well, Lyle, since you're such a Cronenberg fan, what do you think of the Fly? Uh, amazing. The track, The Fly. So I was just, yeah, that brings me to The Fly. So Lyle, yep, I recommend that song to you. <laughs> Does that have anything that to do with The Fly? That was not scripted, by the way. I did not, I did not plan that. <laughs> did that. Does that have anything to do with the actual movie, or no? No, oh, no. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's just, a, it's a very funky song in terms of bass, too. See, this it's a, was a, it's a very... If this was a Misfits album, it would be all about the fly, but no, it's just about a fly, not the fly. <laughs> oh, well. No, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, for you, Josh, I mean, you're probably more aware of this than, you know, yeah, but uh, even better than the real thing kind of just kind of jumped to mind. I don't know. I thought I thought that would be something, but there's a lot of deep cuts on this that are really good. Like Acrobat has a great, great lyrics in it. Um I don't need. I don't even need to bring up mysterious ways because if you've been to any supermarket or any shopper's drug market ever in your life, you're bound to hear this song once. 
I remember hearing even better than the real thing on like Boom 97.3 once in college when I was doing like a listening assignment and I put I had to like mark all the songs that were played in an hour and that was one of them. So yeah. it exists. It exists. <laughs> it has a cool music video where the camera's just like going up and down on these platforms and it's spinning. It's pretty cool. Uh, my favorite track would probably be Until the End of the World. Just love the guitar work in that. And that's the, that's the kind of cool, unique thing about The Edge is that you hear any U2 song and you just hear the echoes, you're like, that's U2. Because he just has like a really distinct sound to his guitar playing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Bono, his stage presence, after uh, this album came out, but when they did uh, the Zoo TV tour, which is a very ambitious tour, I might add, uh, Bono just started to create a lot of on-stage personas like uh, Mechfisto. I don't know. you got to look it up. He's like in uh, makeup and all this weird stuff. He has one called The Fly as well. Just a lot of these weird personas where he wouldn't—he doesn't want to be referred to as Bono, and he did a lot of strange things, like prank calling people on stage. And oh, so that's where they came up with crank anchors. <laughs> yeah, oh, I got mail! Yay! <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw the U2 uh, 360 tour of my mom when that was going on in Toronto. Oh, oh man, how was it? Fuck. It was incredible, yeah. I was glad to see oh. that. I, yeah, no, I heard I heard they're incredible live. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was quite a show. I, I think um, when they did one, I believe, or, it, okay, I'm not the biggest U2 guy, but like they have two songs called One and One Love, right? Or is that by a uh, different title? Uh, I don't think they have one called One Love. Um, I think One Love uh, is a line from one. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's all the same song. Okay, I remember when that was playing, everyone on stage, people were coming on stage holding candles out, and they were all around the expanse of the stage, and it was pretty imp- incredible. It was all about like starving children in various countries. Very moving stuff. I just remember it was so cool seeing the roof open up when they started the show, too. That was in the, uh, I mean, the, the ACC. One has, like, one of the best lyrics I've ever heard, and it's so universal and timeless. It's, we're one, but we're not the same. We have to carry each other. Mm. It's just, it will last a lifetime. Like, that is so powerful and meaningful and can apply anywhere around the world. Oh, yes. So just trying to make the world a little bit better. And just a quick, another quick little note is that uh, it's funny how when I mentioned they reinvigorated themselves because they kind of sold out a bit when they did Rattle and Hum. As their 90s career went on, after that when they did uh, Zoo Ropa, I think that's the, the yeah. album that came out after, yeah, which was more of the same, I guess, of At Chung Baby. It just didn't really hit that hard. But until they made that atrocity called Pop, all I have to say is if that album was a balloon, pop. Oh, because, bars. Because, because fuck me. If you guys are into sampling, this is some of the worst productions of sampling I've ever heard. And even later on, they would admit it themselves. That, again, once you thought that they hit rock bottom, in 2000, they come out with all that you can't leave behind, and they just reinvigorated themselves once again with another classic album. Well, it's so. good to come back from something like that. 
Yeah, they're very up and down. It's strange. Like they're 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 you know they're a great band. They're iconic. It's just they're they're they can just hit. They can either hit a very high or a very low. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think for right now, ah, they're in sort of like a medium spot. Like, I mean, the fact that they produce an album and then throw it onto everybody's iTunes. That was a for, thing in 2014, wasn't it? Oh yes, it was. Songs of innocence. They like, weren't that innocent. <laughs> <laughs> few bands yeah. can have as like many you know peaks and valleys as you too uh, especially since for a lot of people again like cody said the joshua tree era was seen as like their peak into rattle and hum and then at, at Aktung baby it kind of went down a bit and really the whole post 9 11 thing was where you two really got a second wind but i can yeah. definitely see where some people would really appreciate the more stripped back approach that they took to Octone maybe. So I I'd definitely be willing to check some of this out. Yeah, it's 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 a cool album. That's all I'll say that. It's groovy. It screams the times of the early nineties and yeah, I dig it. I think I there was it. also yeah, there was a covers record that came out for like the twentieth anniversary that has like a bunch of artists covering uh tracks from this uh from this record. You got like Nine Inch Nails doing a version of Zoo Station, Patty Smith covering Until the End of the World. Uh, the Killers doing Ultraviolet, Light My Way, and even Jack White doing Love Is Blindness. Holy shit! I gotta hear this because I just think named, I you, think it's on streaming. <laughs> I don't know. I know I downloaded it at the time. Holy shit! You just named so many bands, and I just thought of the songs as you were saying them, and I'm like, yeah, they would they would kick out like Nine Inch Nails doing Zoo Station. That is perfect. The Killers yeah. doing The Killers doing Ultraviolet, Light My Way. Oh my god! I gotta hear this. Yeah, but then me. they include a different mix of uh, even better than the real thing on there because I guess they couldn't have it be all other artists. But I believe it's uh, yeah, it's on Apple Music and it's on so it's on streaming if you if anyone wants to check it out. Oh yes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting a little too aroused. Oh jeez. <laughs> Johnny, take a walk with your sister, the moon. No, I, I we've heard that too many times in our lifetime. We don't need to sing that again. <laughs> Mysterious ways, overplayed but still good. Yeah, that's probably one of the few albums. I, that's one of the few songs I know off the album, uh, just off the top of my head. That's it's, okay. kinda, it's funny how it's funny how he can pull like a random woman from the audience when they're playing that song and she dances with with Bono. But I'm like, she's been picked already. <laughs> this why is do they all stage? Why do they always pick the ones with the wires? <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that reference. That was a reference. <laughs> um, um, it's a bit, it's been approximately ten minutes since the Simpsons reference, so I had to I had to chive it in somewhere. Maybe we should just call her channel a Simpsons speak from now on. <laughs> at this rate, <laughs> okay. Uh, no, is that, is that all you have to say about you uh, two? Yeah. All right. Okay, my picks pick for the night. You know what? Uh, my last pick was aggressive. I might as well go balls deep. Uh, my next pick is Milo Goes to College by Descendants. Um, really formative uh, punk album from the early 80s. Uh, Milo Goes to College is an aggressive, fast-paced punk album, which also embraces its uh, total dorkiness with gusto and has often been cited as the grandfather of pop-punk music. Um, many of the songs features uh, themes of loneliness, rebellion, and 
um, the troubles of being an outcast, and while some of the lyrical content may be seen as dated now, it's incredibly unabashed about being a teenage loner and outcast. One thing, uh, you guys mentioned how much I like bass lines. Good lord, there are a lot of good bass lines on this album. Tony Lombardo is a machine. It freaking opens with my age. Yeah, I always wonder if it was pronounced Miyagi or my age, because a lot of the songs on the album end with the the, the suffix. I like, think my uh, age because there's also like uh, bike age or bike yeah, age. There's there. there's bike age. There's Tony age. There's three songs that end with age for some reason, and that just became a recurring theme with their music is that they just put the word age at the end. I don't know. If that's a statement of getting old or what, but eh, I don't know. Yeah, My Age is a great song to kick off. It has like this amazing bass. Like, that that chorus Ladies and gentlemen, Tom DeLong is just into the chat. Yeah, oh no, Blink was heavily inspired. It sounded very Angels and Airwavesy. Thank you, I've been told that. Yeah, it's... Blink-182 is very inspired by Descendants. Like, I know um, uh, Mark Hoppus takes a lot of influence from uh, t Tony Lombardo's playing. And the way Tony Lombardo plays, he's he does only downstrokes, which is fucking insane, because all of his, like, runs are, all, like, up and down the neck, very, very, very fast, like, rapid. And apparently what he used to do, like, he, he didn't stay with the band for very long, unfortunately, but what he used to do is he would take fishing wire wrap it around his forearm or, or was it fishing wire or was it um it was it a just a strap i think he put a strap around his forearm put it around and tied like fishing weights on it around his back and it would improve his like downstroking like every time he practiced and i think that's kind of unconventional but it makes sense i mean like you can hear it in his uh, tone um yeah, if I'd pick up some uh, highlights, I'd say my age. Uh, bike age is kind of like nice too. I also really like uh, suburban home as well. Suburban um, home's harmonies are fantastic. Yeah, suburban home is a really nice song, and um, uh, the album kind of breezes by a lot. Most of the songs, I'd say, like a third of them are like less than a minute long. Like some of them are like forty seconds. Um, but you know, hey, that's punk for you. <laughs> um, there don't have been, say. Like, you don't say. You mean you don't have to make a fully structured piece? You can just bang it out. Um, my favorite song is a rather controversial one. I really like Hope. That's like the ultimate fedora song. About just like waiting for her to like. I'm just waiting for that guy to dump you or be shitty so you can dump him. And I'm gonna be right in there. I'm gonna There's swoop right in. There's a few like adjacent songs with that vibe. Kind of Catalina's kind of like that as well. Yeah, Catalina's one I actually just found out uh, just yesterday uh, while I was listening to it again. It's like that was a great one. It's like it almost comes. It almost sounds like a Black Flag song, just the way the guy just like belts into the microphone and like tells us really how he feels. Yeah. Um. I've always loved Bill Stevenson's drumming on this record. I mean, he's always been a great punk drummer, but I feel like yeah. Milo Goes to Call in particular really emphasizes just that the fast early 80s type of hardcore punk drumming that really helps make this band what it is. Yeah, no, the the rhythm section of Descendants is really good. It's it's up there with like Rancid. Like it's just like super tight. Um 
If I were to recommend songs, um, Josh is familiar with this album. Uh, what's your favorite album, uh, song off this? Is it uh, Suburban Home? I would say Suburban Home. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else. Also, I also really enjoy the uh, the meaning behind marriage. Like it's mainly just about you know trying to have a genuine relationship with someone. The the bridge of like I don't want to have sex with you. I want to be your friend. I want to be with you. I want you to marry me. You know. <laughs> There's there's some how, sentimentality in there. How, how sweet! <laughs> yeah. A suburban home is probably my favorite, just because like the whole like I want to be stereotyped. I want, I to, want be to be classified. And just like the idea of trying to trying to not be to not conform, but like acknowledging at the end of the day that yeah, you kind of want a nice home and a, and a stable job as well. Yeah, stability like, is it's hard to be like... really punk and like make enough of a living to where that can fully be your life's calling. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like a lot of the lyrics in uh, I'm Not a Punk, when it, like a lot of the allusions to the, a lot of bands in the scene like Fear and Germs and all that. It's like, you're all just a bunch of surfers last week and now you're all posers, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Cody, if I had to recommend songs to you, I know, I know you're not necessarily a punk guy, but I think you'd like Bikeage. It's kind of a mellow, like, it's a bit more of a mellower song than a lot of that. It's not like aggressive, like... Um, it's it's no like Misfits or Black Flag. It's just very nice. It, it it'd be a good song to like end a movie on. I think like the credits roll and then everything just kicks. Um, I also recommend Hope. Uh, we talked about like My Age and um and uh, Catalina. Those are all good songs too. I know we're not we we sound like a broken record, but a lot of these songs do kind of fly by, and it, it it's hard to like. Pick apart everything. I also kind of like Kabuki Girl. That song's uh, rather underrated too. I, I do kind of like how um, years years later, like uh, the lead singer Milo um, Ackerman, aka my dad, is just like um, he he does kind of like lament that a lot of his the stuff he was saying about women in the album was kind of like he kind of and looks- especially the end of I'm Not a Loser. As good as that riff is and stuff. And as good as like the song is, that outro is like he's acknowledged. Like, yeah, that was that I, I was really shitty to write that. Yeah, no. Yes. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing about Descendants. Like, they're not like a political band. They don't really speak from any sort of like viewpoint. They're kind of just more like talking about how they can't get laid or talking about how like life sucks and everything's crappy. It's very like interpersonal stuff. And I guess Milo was kind of angry at the time. Just like and all that stuff. It's kind of funny. Think... Yep. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, like, the reason why it's even called Milo Goes to College is because it was about him, like, learning to be, like, an engineer at the time. Yeah, he actually went off to college right after they recorded this. And I feel like that, uh, him getting his, Milo getting his degree brought a lot more, a lot more honesty and I guess a lot of, obviously, a lot more maturity to future descendants' records. But this is that sort of, point in time where everything about them sort of mixed together really well. Yeah, I was, was going to say, like, I, I do listen to their other albums, and there are, like, there are quite a few other songs I like that are not featured on My Legos College, but this one just has, like, a good mix of the stuff that I like from them. It has a lot of their most iconic stuff off of uh, their uh, discography. And I almost forgot about the uh, chorus for parents. I'm a boy and not a toy. I will kill it. I'll destroy. You don't win friends with salad. You don't win yeah. friends with salad. 
It has been five minutes since our last Simpsons reference. I'm sorry, I just got so caught up in the rhythm. I didn't mean to choose sides. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, and a Kabuki Girl also reminds me of, ironically, another really awesome, underrated, uh, well, post-punk track by Susie and the Banshees, Hong Kong Garden, because it mentions the Atomic Cafe, which was a noodle shop in Little Tokyo, I guess, in Orange County, and, like, how Hong Kong Garden is the same, basically, was written in response to a lot of the sort of racism and bigotry that the, this Hong Kong Garden uh, takeout place in London was getting at the time they wrote it. So that's kind of a cool connection as well. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I should listen to Susie. I've been kind of getting... I was going through such a punk phase the last couple of years that now as of like last year and this year, I've really gone Yeah, Susie into- and the Banshees is awesome. Yeah, I've um, really gone into post-punk now with like Joy Division and like Public Image Limited, and um, yeah, I need to get into Susie and the Banshees for sure. Gang of Four also entertainment is awesome. Yeah, I also gotta listen oh. to more television. And while we're on the topic yeah. of Susie and the Banshees, uh, listen to the song "Happy House" too, because if you know the weekend, you might know that song. I, I don't know the weekend. I just know it's coming soon. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> well, look it up then, but I'm a dork. Milo went to college and he came back and then he has a nice degree he can hang on the wall and this record along with it. Yeah, and then he gets bored and forms the band again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh Josh, what's your next choice? Uh my next choice, we're gonna get a little more jangly, a little more dreamy, a little more hipstery. The self titled debut record from Always. I was yep. listening to this when it really blew up in 2014, and I'll be damned if Archie Marry Me still doesn't put me in a nice mood for summer because oh, I know that, that song, song is so beautiful. Yeah, I, I was working at a vegan cafe, and that song would play a lot, and it got stuck in my head too. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Marnie and I both really love this record. Um, I also really enjoy some of the deeper cuts on here. Um, I I really like uh, ones who love you. I think I think well you would really like that. It's a bit more minimalist, okay. but it's got that sort of that nice guitar line. I think there's a it might be either a drum loop or just the drums are pretty simplistic, but it's got these sort of somewhat icy vocals and there's a really nice um, a really cool bridge where the production, which uh, this was produced by Chad Van Galen, who is a Really cool uh, singer-songwriter from Calgary. If you guys want to check out uh, his discography, he's got some really good songs there, especially the uh, the record Soft Airplane. That's a really good one. Okay. Uh, but a lot of the record, the lyrics on here sort of deal with uh, with sort of Molly Rankin portraying this, uh, this girl that's sort of just looking for an ideal partner. And then when she gets exactly what she wants, she kind of as quickly, just as quickly falls out of love with that person because I guess they rush into things really quickly. And especially in a, a song like A Top of Cake, you know, there's a line like, you'd like us on top of a cake, but you won't let me take a bite. So it's like about trying to have some sort of control and some sort of, I guess, sexual chemistry before they commit to something like marriage. But even, I, and I would recommend uh, Cody check out a song like um, Adult Diversion or even Party Police is a good one too. I might have, I might actually check out this whole album. 
because I do like this kind of music. And I remember my girlfriend, Veronica, was telling me about uh, their second album that came out. Anti-Social Life. I also like that one a, a decent bit, too. I just yeah. think this one holds more sway with me just because it it has that, I mean, the production helps. It was sort of my first introduction to sort of what's been revitalized in some aspects of indie rock now with the whole C86 and Twee movement of like the shoegazy indie pop, sort of like how a, a group like uh, Veronica Falls, I think, also kind of fell in that. Same with like the pains of being pure at heart a little bit. But this record's definitely for those that, you know, want to, have a, some nice sort of floral looking artwork on their wall, but are also sort of trying to understand complex uh, interpersonal relationships as yeah. well. I'm trying to think of what else I've got here. Adult diversion, especially there's the whole thing about like, you know, stalking somebody on the subway cause you're shy. And then about if it doesn't work out, Oh, well I'll just stay inside or I'll go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, this, this this sounds up my alley. I'm definitely sold on it. Definitely, I've, yeah. I've, oh, yeah, I've much like much like a lot of other um, records that I've mentioned or will mention. I do own this one on vinyl. I actually have a CD of it as well. Um, I did do I do sometimes do some street team work for the label this came out on. Not recently, obviously, because you know how the world is right now. But uh, for help for helping out with some stuff, I got a CD copy of this, so I gave it to Marnie. So at least we each have our own copy. And nice. if you really, if you really, I mean, this is obviously an ideal place to start for this band. But um, the fact that Molly Rankin went from being like a smaller part of the Rankin family, which if you guys know the Rankin family, they're really big in sort of the Canadian folk scene on the on the East Coast, and like they always really blew up with this. I'm hoping that third album is going to come sometime next year because I haven't heard anything anything about it this year. But this is going to be the time where, like, you know, they might really need to push their sound a little bit more in a direction. Anti-socialites does do that, but like, this is peak. Ah, spit a little. <laughs> this is peak early twenties trying to figure yourself out. Music. Oh, yeah. Oh, right on. I remember those days. They're still happening. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <sighs> nice yeah it sounds like a very very nice album i look forward to listening to it all the way through it is and the fact that the guitarist from this band was also he started out in another really cool uh atlantic canada indie rock band two hours traffic if anybody checks out checks them out their record little jabs it's pretty good little jabs okay all right my next pick is the war on drugs lost in the dream uh, do you guys know the War on Drugs? I do. I know. I know uh, some of their work, uh, including this one. I do not. <laughs> well, uh, this album was recorded in a two-year span, and it was recorded kind of all over the place—a lot in Philadelphia, New York, North Carolina, New Jersey. Don't really know why, but it definitely paid off because uh, the War on Drugs is just living proof that that heartland rock or Americana is just alive and well because if you like the sounds of i'm just going to name drop here but if you like bruce springsteen dire straits john mellencamp neil young tom petty you'll you'll love uh the war on drugs and also kurt vile who used to be the guitar player on their first album but he went off to do his own solo stuff a lot of really good stuff off of uh, both of their uh, 
both Kurt Vile and the War on Drugs. But Lost in the Dream is uh, a, a very impactful album to me. Uh, hearing it, I thought to myself, this is very isolated but hopeful at the same time. It just has like those really nice vibes to it. Um, the uh, the lead the lead the lead man uh, Adam I'm probably gonna botch his name but uh, Grand Delinsel I think that's how Grand Ciel Grand Ciel yeah I knew I'd botch it uh, he's actually married to Christine Ritter oh, yeah. who played Jane he played Jane she played Jane on Breaking Bad and she Just, was Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jones yeah. the Bee in Apartment 23 if you remember that show uh, uh, I remember Hot take. Don't trust the Bee in Apartment 23. I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Uh, it was a thing. It was a show <laughs> it was I never watched. It was a show I never watched. <laughs> so the story behind this album is that after the band was touring off of their first album, Slave Ambient, uh, Adam had a really hard time adjusting to just like a normal life. Uh, it just took a, a took a, a huge toll on his mental state and everything. That it led him to writing a lot of these songs off of this album. Uh, very deep and meaningful albums um like just the songs really did deal with a lot of his like paranoia and anxieties at the time and he really owes a lot to this album because he really felt a lot better afterwards um and what's so nice about this album is that i mean this kind of goes back to what lyle was kind of picking at me about long songs but uh there's a lot of music that I'll listen to where I'm like, I'm so into the music, but everything just feels so overly shadowed by the lead singer that I kind of just want like the music just to play on. And War on Drugs does that. Like, there's a lot of songs where like the 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 typical you know structure would just like do its thing at the beginning, but then there'd be like long stretches, like three to five minutes of just constant music just going and going and going and it, and it doesn't even have to progress it just needs to have like this nice consistency to it and and with the going into the theme of the album of just kind of like being lost in that dream kind of like just daydreaming and trying to find meaning it's very hypnotic sometimes listening to their songs especially when they riff into just this amazing atmosphere because there's a lot of atmosphere in their songs a lot of great synthesizing work a lot of great just straight up Rock, just rock and roll. <laughs> I would, I'll, I'll, that's all I can really say. Um, now, my favorite song, uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but I'll probably have to go with the first track. It's one of their more well-knowns. It's uh, Under Pressure. Under the Pressure, sorry. Uh, very cool rhythm to this song. Um, a lot of, there's, there's a lot of shakers in the song with the percussion. But the piano is very simple, and it's very just like it's very nicely motivated. Like their music is perfect, and I mean perfect for if you're driving down the highway. Because mm. like nice. for a couple summers ago, when my uh, parents and my girlfriend and I we went out east, and I thought, oh, this is the perfect opportunity to let them listen to uh, my parents. Let my parents listen to the War on Drugs because like listening to this music really harkens back to listening to all those Heartland rock songs that I used to listen to them growing up, but it just has a lot more of an independent personality to it. And when I let them hear it, they're like, yeah, this does sound very much like the stuff we grew up with. So I was happy. It was like, they gave me, they, it was very like, they gave me that rock and I give them in return this rock. So it was nice. <laughs> That's very nice. Yeah. 
Now, the Gateway song, I mean, I would say, Lyle, since you're really unfamiliar with it, I know Josh is a little bit more familiar. Uh, the song Red Eyes is definitely like a Gateway song. just like Black that's... Dragons not included. <laughs> uh, Red Eyes, definitely. But for you, Lyle, I would actually go with the song Suffering. Of course. So it's a... <laughs> no, no, I no. mean, hey, he's a moody boy. It's on point. Yeah. It, it's slow. It's definitely slower. It's definitely not a depressing song. It's just a very like nice, like you know, soothing vibe kind of song. It's underplayed a lot. Okay. Uh, for, you, for you, Josh, I would actually go with "Eyes to the Wind," and it's actually one of my favorite songs to play on guitar. It's kind of easy, mm-hmm. but I just love, I love playing along with this song. You it's guitar really- players and all your it's so easy for me to play. I'm like, <laughs> I can't play guitar. It's just a couple of chords. That's I can all. barely play ukulele as it is. Oh, that's a tricky one, so I, I, I'll give you that. Hmm. But one song in particular, uh, Disappearing. Uh, like I said before, when like the band will sometimes just like riff into just playing absolute ambience, uh, this song makes me cry every time. I'm not going to lie. It, I, te- I tear up. There's something about it where I get kind of dazed into the song halfway through, and I, I just immediately start to get the feels as they, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, it's a great, it's a great, uh, world of music that I found with, uh, both the war on drugs and Kurt Vile, I'll say. And, and what's nice is that both Kurt Vile and the band actually, like, even though he departed from it earlier on, uh, they do endorse each other really nicely. There, there's no awkwardness because many think that like Kurt Vile is like way better than the war on drugs. But the war on drugs never like tries to top that anyway. Like they've they've all been very consistent. It's not like a oh, it's it's not like the Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins awkward situation with Genesis, uh, yeah. who's better than the other kind of thing. And they'll and they'll never collaborate, which is kind of shitty. It's a that's what happens when ego gets ahead of art. Stay humble, but, gentlemen. <laughs> but uh. No, that's all I can say. It's a, it's a, it's a dreamy, uh, atmospheric, but very uh, emotional album, and uh, yeah, I love it from beginning to end. Uh, Cody, it's I long. Should... It's pretty long. I'll say that. It's a little, little over an hour, but it's worth it. All right. Well, so, that's that's, right up, that's right up your alley. Then I was just gonna say that your album's like the perfect uh, transition to my next album because I've been playing a lot of heavy, dirty stuff. Uh, I know, Cody, you like to compare my sound to, like, to, like, Grease or something. Like, I just listen to a lot of sludgy music. <laughs> and, uh, but this, this album, I think, is, would be way up your alley. Uh, this album I picked is, uh, Under the Western Freeway by Granddaddy. It's a super tranquil, easy, very laid-back album from the late 90s. Um... I'm, Cody, uh, I'm sure you've heard at least one song by this album. Uh, you remember 28 Days Later? Yes. Okay. One song off this album is played in that movie. It's during the scene where they raid the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's I like, know exactly which one. Like, yeah, that, like play, a, that plays a lot of trailers for movies, too, right? Um, I don't know about that. I, I know it's their most popular song. Uh, the song is called AM180. That's that's the song, yeah. That I know. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's it has like a lot of chip tune added to it. Um, 
Yeah, the thing I like about Granddaddy is that if I had to compare him to anything, they're very much like Beck or Pavement or even like Elliot Smith to a certain extent. Like, they're very... I'd almost classify them as like slacker rock. Like, they don't... Uh, some, some of their songs are a little heavy, but for the most part, it's like it's more about creating an atmosphere with their music. They often record in like unconventional areas, like in like sheds or like warehouses or just garages like they don't really like to have clean sound but yeah I, I really uh like how they can mix stuff like electronic samples and acoustics and uh various like textures from their uh from just stuff they record outside i think the lead singer uh john uh jason little he actually says that he actually really hates recording in facilities because he'd rather be outside Especially if it's a sunny day. He just doesn't like being surrounded by plastic and electronics. He'd rather be chased by bumblebees, I think is what he said. <laughs> Not the bees! <laughs> Not the bees! Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, They're in his eyes! His eyes! There's a, there's a lot of songs on here that I, I like. Um, one song that kind of hits me way harder than it should is the actual self-titled song, uh, Under the Western Freeway. It's an instrumental piece that makes me feel so melancholy, because I always imagine it as like the song you hear just before you die. It's like a constant loop that goes on for three minutes, and it's very, very, very moving. But I, I get too uncomfortable when I hear that song. Uh, my favorite song on the album would probably be Everything Beautiful is Far Away. That's a very nice song. I feel like, Cody, you're going to listen to that song, or you and Josh are going to listen to that song, in the first five seconds you'll be like, what the fuck is this shit? And then it just yeah, like... true. Everything Beautiful is far away from you. Yeah, it is, right? The grass is always greener on the other side. Unless it's, it's hopelessly irradiated. Irradiated. <laughs> um, if I had to recommend stuff to you... um. Josh, well, actually, for the both of you, I'd recommend um, Laughing Stock. Um, I love that Talk Talk record. Oh, TikTok. I don't pay. No, Talk Talk. Talk Talk? <laughs> okay. Oh. You know, it's my life. Well, that's a tangent for another time. I, I'm sorry. I'm so. I, I don't know what any of the things you guys talk about. I need to catch up. Um, yeah, um, I recommend Everything Beautiful is Far Away. Go Progress Chrome is a super uplifting song. If you ever wanted to hear a song that makes you feel how you feel, like when you do a jump off a bike or something, and you just feel like you're floating in the air for a few seconds, that's the musical equivalent of that. AM 180 is like the most well-known song. I recommend that too. That's a good gateway song if you like Granddaddy. Summer Here Kids is like, probably a song that's most linked to what I listen to because it's very very heavy and almost punkish um but yeah Cody I highly recommend Laughing Stock it's six minutes long there you go and it's the I, only reason I know AM 180 is because on their most recent EP this place sucks ass Pup actually covered it yeah Pup did cover it. I listened to it in preparation uh for this video I thought they did a solid job I first heard the song because I used to listen. I, one of my favorite YouTube channels when I was a kid was Ed's World. And oh one, yes, I, I vaguely remember that one. And they had an episode called "Hello Hellhole" where they Google how to get into hell, and that song plays over it. And as an elevator appears in their room, it's like, oh, well, how convenient! Let's go to hell! Woo woohoo, broccoli! <laughs> I don't know why it's so British. Yeah. 
So yeah, Granddaddy, pretty underrated guys. They're pretty uh, sweet, nice, tranquil music. I feel like it's up your guys' alley. Nice. Uh, let's take it on home. Last round. Joshua, what do you got for us? Well, when I said God has nothing to do with this, leave him out of it, was uh, tied for my album of 2020. My last choice is The Other Tie. Uh, Spanish Love Songs' latest record, Brave Faces Everyone. This record came out one month before COVID-19 sort of changed all of our lives and impacted how we sort of look at social interaction and our world. And at the time, I was working as a bank teller that I, and I had been since October of the previous year at the branch near my house. And once this record came out, like, it just fucking wrecked me. Just It made me realize that I don't give a fuck about what I'm doing anymore. Like, I, if I want to get out there and actually do what I want to do in the world to try and put some good back into it, like, I really need to start now because, like, it's just sort of, it really sinks into that late 20s feeling of really having no idea where, what, what direction you're supposed to be taking in life and... But also sort of acknowledging that, you know, it's okay that you feel that way because everyone feels that way. Like from the literal first line on the opening track, Routine Pain, on any given day, I'm a six of ten, bed to desk to bar, eyes on the floor. Just those two lines, even not even a year ago, like that was a lot of my mindset. You know, I'm not, you're not doing too bad, but you're not doing great either. And you're just kind of going through the motions mm -hmm. and... You know, on the second track, like the chorus on self-destruction is a sensible career choice. You know, it won't be this bleak forever with like the the leather bun stuff like being, yeah, right. Like it's always adding that sarcastic, like things won't suck forever. Uh, yeah, sure, sure they won't. There's always that like sarcasm bubbling underneath. And um, I think Cody might like one of the more uh, melodic songs on here. Well, there is a lot of dark subject matter. I think um, one of my favorite songs for just the sort of message of hope it tries to portray, but also the catchiness of it is, uh, I would say, Losers 2. Uh, you know, that chorus of, don't you know you were born to die poor, man? Don't you know that you're going to do yourself in and you'll always wake up tired because there's nowhere we go from here. Just it's sinking in that like when you're a frontline, when you're working retailer, you have to go to an actual physical place during a pandemic to work. Like you just really sort of feel like this is the best I'm going to get. And I just, I should accept that. But I think, I think you would really enjoy the, um, the, this, the song, you know, Dylan Slocum, the, uh, the main songwriter and the singer for this band, he just puts a lot of emotion and really just pure honesty into it to everything he sings and Lyle I think you would really enjoy Generation Loss it's mm. one of the most uh, hard hitting songs on the record and just the feeling of you know especially once the pan this song this record basically became a lot of people's approaches to life like the how they're feeling once the pandemic hit that course of because we're just so fucking tired of explaining ourselves we throw a pill down our throats or ourselves into the ocean and I found out this, this next couplet because I found out a, uh, a classmate of mine that I went to college with for radio passed away back in August. And mm -hmm. I had no idea until last week. Because oh. half our friends are dead, the other half are depressed, and this budget rate life, the borderline's looking thin. 
Like to think of us people I know that have lost family members to COVID that are have been out of work or are still trying to find work or having to get into new industries because their old jobs are closed, whether they were, were they were like bartending or working in restaurants or all this stuff. Just it that generation loss sums up a lot of the themes of this record and why I feel like it is something that everyone needs to hear. Like I don't say this is album of the decade so early into a new decade, but don't be surprised if in less than five years from now, a lot of other people are going to be holding this up as a cornerstone of the sort of alternative rock leaning, bordering on emo. And I'm going to talk emo. I'm talking like 90s emo, like Sunny Day Real Estate, maybe a little bit of the times that Indy have built a spill and just it's fucking something else. I was going to say, Damn. like, I, I'm listening to you describe this album and it just sounds like 2020 in a nutshell. <laughs> it, it became that, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's there's a track on here towards the end, Dolores, which is essentially about like about what like you know a, the aftermath of a school shooting would look like, and just sort of the emotional like the emotional gamut of stuff there. Uh, Beachfront property and also losers two kind of dives into you know uh, the singer's family having lost their home in the uh, in the recession in '08. And Kick, which is about a, a guy whose dad's a pastor, but he's a heroin addict at the same time. And just the complete contradiction of faith versus addiction. Mm. And it's it sounds depressing and it sounds it sounds like a rough listen, but it is it's one of the most cathartic things I had listened to all last year. And it was what got me through a lot of those really rough weeks where it it kind of felt like I was really putting my life on the line a lot, just be, not only because of the nature of my job at times, but just because like a lot of other people I knew were working from home all the time. And you didn't really get to have the privilege of, you know, being able to <clears throat> put other things on standby in the meantime. And a, a lot of the sort of those feelings of, I guess, self-accomplishment or at least, self-doubt that i had when you actually are able to move out of your house when you were never really sure if you were going to do that at any point in time in the near future like i was so relieved to be in a place where like i have some sense of independence and this album is kind of the soundtrack to that um one last couple that i i often go back to with this is on uh, optimism as a radical life choice uh, and the course don't take me out back and shoot me I know my circuits are faulty. Now I've only ever been a kid pointing out dead dogs on the road. Just that whole, like, knowing that you don't want people to give up on you because you know you're weird or they think you're weird or different. And just hoping that they stick with you and write out whatever difficult periods in your life that you're having. But just, no, don't give up on people. Mm. Mm. I, I gotta listen to this. I think this is like yeah. definitely up. My, this is definitely up my alley. I want to listen to this too. You've you really opened up on this, and I I appreciate you opening up. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. It's been a at times. It's been a kind of like rough year. Uh, just because like when I when I finally was no longer at that position, I just felt a huge weight off my shoulders because now I don't have to 
I can have some semblance of working from home, like how the other half has been able to do things. Well, I use that term very loosely because I don't, I know in our friend group in particular, I don't exactly know how many people can work remotely, but like this was the soundtrack to a lot of my walks to and from work. I have this on vinyl. I've put it on. It still rings just as true. And even to bring it full circle to the last, to the outro of routine pain, you know, have you ever felt lower than any everyone else? I'm feeling lower than anyone else because everything's lower than everything else. I want to see how much lower I can go. I wasn't sure. You're never really sure at this point because at the time of recording, I'm going to be 29 in just over a month. And the fact that the 20s, your 20s are supposed to be where you're finding yourself, you're figuring out what it is you want to do with the rest of your life. And frankly, I still don't fucking know. I still don't. But at least this record gives me the hope that even if I spend my entire 20s never knowing what it is I'm going to do, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, don't worry, man. Like, I think all, like all of us, not even just with this like group that we talk with, like a lot of people our age, like don't really know. Like we just, it's, it's hard to crack a, it's hard to really, it's, it's a hard cookie to crack into anything that we want to do. And especially now with COVID hitting even harder and changing the world a bit, it's, it's, it's definitely hard, but it's, it's definitely a notion to remember that like, you're not alone on, on that. You know, we're still young. We're still trying to figure that out. We still got like a lifetime ahead of us until we reach that age of like retirement, you know? So well, no, exactly. And that's kind of what I was hoping to get across. Just like being able to open up even in our general friend group. Cause sometimes I'm not always, I, I don't always easily, you know, talk about what's bothering me or like what's on my mind. So at least to be able to, relate to people in that way especially now is is really good to know yeah totally and, yeah, and this and this album definitely i i want to get a little taste of what impacted you so hardly so so badly sorry and we, uh, we appreciate you being so open and honest about your feelings towards uh these troubling times it's uh, we're happy you can uh express yourself yeah. yeah, well, I'm glad you guys gave me the uh, the platform for that. Unfortunately, we're not going to end this on that much of a downer, but if there is <laughs> one, well, I, I gave two records from 2020, but if there is one record that impacted me in such an important and significant way that everyone listening to this needs to hear, it's Brave Faces, everyone. All right. A lot of people in the reviewing community I'm in put this as their album of the year last year, but it's... I. It was one of those things where like you could see a band was on the verge of blowing up and even without touring behind this really for the most for like outside of the first month or so to get behind this i have a really good feeling spanish love songs are gonna are only gonna get bigger from here thanks to this very good very good i'm sold (laughs) yeah long and the short of it fuck 2020 <laughs> yeah, those two, those two letters or those two numbers. Sorry, if you don't want to see two zero next to two zero ever again. Mm. <sighs> Which is funny because we all wear glasses, so none of us have twenty twenty vision. And we're back. We're back. Lightening. I'm trying to lighten things up. <laughs> okay, uh, Cody. Uh, what's your what's your uh, final pick of the night? My final pick is 
So Josh was telling us about this album that you think it's going to definitely be a classic in the, you know, when we do like our revaluation of this decade that we're in right now. Uh, I personally believe that the arcs yours dreamly is a, the best album of the 2010s. That's a, that's a, that's a take for sure. That's a very bold statement. And I want to go with it because uh, shout out to my uncle uh, a few years ago, he recommended this album and ever since then, I always, ever so, I go back to it every so often, because uh, this is pure music, ladies and gentlemen. This is absolutely pure fucking music. Uh, it was recorded in, in a two-week span in New York, L.A., and Nashville, Tennessee. I'm talking all over the states, ladies and gentlemen. In the matter of two fucking weeks, this is an accomplishment. And all it is is just a side project from Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys and all of his friends in the musical industry. And the sound of it is, yeah, yes, it does pertain a lot of that distorted, you know, garage band sound that the Black Keys, you know, are, are known for. But yeah. there's a lot of R&B, a lot of R&B. There's a lot of soul. There's a lot of psychedelic elements. And they are just... It's such timeless tracks in this album. It's almost too much, too, like, I, I can name drop, like, almost all of them, but, like, it's, it's, there's some songs where I question, like, how the hell was this song from our era? Like, some of these feel like they were plucked out of, like, the 1960s, 1970s. Like, there's one that feels like it's from, like, the 1940s, it feels. It's just, there's something about it that resonates so nice. It's just a very nice, like, love letter to all the music that they were inspired by um the uh the tracks i would probably like my ah it's hard to pick my favorite to be honest but just as a safe bet i would probably go with uh put a flower in your pocket and like because that kind of com that's a cob kind of a combination of all the genres that i said that they kind of dip their pen into um but for you guys, Lyle, I would recommend "Stay in My Corner." Okay. Kind of has a nice, kind of has like a nice uh, bluesy kind of like, you know, uh, what's that genre called? Like bluegrass? Is that, is that the right term? Blue bluegrass or yeah, green? I think bluegrass, kind of like a Americana leaning, but like more folky. Yeah, yeah. There's there's nice guitar work in it, and it's just a, it's it's nice. It's very nice, and the track the arc so it's the arc by the arcs <laughs> is uh definitely more black keys if you're into them yeah i love the black keys actually yeah so you'll definitely get the vibes out of that one. Oh, josh searching the blue this is like oh it takes you away it's spellbinding. really he went searching for the daba d's and daba dies <laughs> It tells the story about a guy, a blue guy that lives in a blue world, and all day and everything that he sees is just We're just blue. full of '90s throwback references tonight. <laughs> oh, just you wait. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to you. Speaking <laughs> of '90s, speaking of '90s, like I'm just gonna say that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite albums because there are so many songs off of this album that feels like it should be on a Tarantino soundtrack. I'm quite interested in uh, Chains of Love. It's got a mariachi band on it, an all-female mariachi band. That's the one. You get 10 seconds into Chains of Love, you're like, this sounds like a Tarantino track. 
Why wasn't like... that in Dawn of the Dead? <laughs> Chains of Love. Uh, Cold Companion, another song that I, I feel like it would be in a Tarantino movie. Uh, oh, Nature's Child is also a track I throw on. This is like psychedelic as hell. Like when I used to like smoke a lot of weed back in the day, I would play uh, Nature's Child like on loop and never get sick of it. It would always just. And you too would wish you would become a tree. <laughs> uh, I think that track Rosie Olala oh has a woman orgasming at the beginning. It's kind oh, of amusing to listen to. <laughs> yes, Not the nice. first time I've heard that sample. Hello, Am- pretty reckless. Amusing, huh? <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's you know, out of my mind is probably the more well-known song off of this album. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty short and simple and sweet with this. It's uh, it's a masterpiece. Like, I can't get I I can't get sick of this. Yeah, when I was can't actually be any thinking- worse than the last few Black Keys records. I've only I can't. I'm always bad with the names of their title of their the names of their albums. But you remember? Uh, no, I don't think I heard that one yet. It was the one that has the van. El Camino. El Camino. Yeah, El Camino. Yeah, one. that's probably the one I like. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The- I'd argue uh, Attack and Release was their really big one, but then with Brothers in 2010, that's when they blew up. Yeah, Brothers. I haven't the one. El Camino is the last Black Keys record I like a good chunk of, but that period in between, and this is a side tangent, I think uh, from Thick Freakness through to, yeah, Brothers El Camino, so for that that period, a lot of the records were consistently good. My favorite Black Eyed, Black Eyed Peas, Black well, Keys that song, so many times. Ha- has to be 10 a.m. Automatic. Oh, that's a good song to bang to. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. that one. First heard it in a baseball video game of all places, but... Uh, I still don't know why that doesn't get a lot of love because I think all the stuff from when they started working with Danger Mouse onwards, um, I can't say I care for a lot of it, especially when Turn Turn Blue and Let's Rock, I didn't even really, other than Fever, because it was in Rock Band 4, I did not listen to a single thing from either of those. But uh, Cody has convinced me to try and give this, uh, the ARCS record a chance, especially since a lot of some really good contributions from the late Richard Swift, who was a really good uh, singer-songwriter, Worked with some great. Uh, some, he worked with. He produced for, for Foxygen. Uh, some work for Bo- uh, Born Ruffians before he passed. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff there. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I, I I told Lyle this story recently. I won't I won't go into it for the podcast. I'll tell you off uh, recording, Josh. But uh, well, this one Valentine. Don't leave our audience this in one... suspense. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, long story short, this one Valentine's Day. Way back in the day, like I think 2013 or 14, when I was in Toronto, I like was at a bar, and this is when I was single. I was like, I'm not st- staying at home, you know, single on Valentine's Day. I'm gonna get out to just a random bar, and I met this like one girl who I thought was my age at this bar, and she comes in with like, she's like, I'm meeting some friends here, and it was like two smoking hot cougars that come Ooh. in, and I'm like, oh my god, I lucked out, and all of us were dancing on the dance floor to Gold on the Ceiling. I'll never forget that. <laughs> now, if you yeah. found literal gold on the ceiling, then then that's when you would have woken up and the whole thing was a dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, those well, are... that, that, that does sound like a fascinating story for another day. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, the arcs. The arcs, yours dreamly. 
Yep. If I had to make a top ten favorite albums of the twenty tens, that's number one. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so. I, I should give that a try since I like the Black Keys so much. For sure. Um, okay, I guess we're on our last one of the night then. Unless you have anything uh, else to add. We are good. You shall end this song. <laughs> song? <laughs> this is a song. It's the longest song. So. This is in the this key a, of life. It's a two-hour song. <laughs> okay. All right. Spoken word. Anyways, so my final uh, pick for the night is a pretty classic album with every uh, in all in all sense. Very very uh, huge in the alternative rock scene, but it was not always so beloved. And why I like this album so much is it's more just like the whole production around it as well as the material itself, which is why basically my pick for the night is uh, Pinkerton by Weezer. Often, yeah. often hailed as their best album, right up there with their uh, debut, Blue. Blue debut, That's a, that rhymes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, I had a hard time picking between the two of them. I think every fan does of Weezer, but ultimately I picked Pinkerton because this was like my high school like anthem kind of record. Um... A radical departure. It's not as rivers isn't for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, radical departure from their first album, Pinkerton is an unrefined, brutally honest piece by Rivers Cuomo that was written during an incredibly painful time in his life, and I'll tell you why. There's three reasons, three things that happened after Blue. One, Rivers Cuomo becomes a rock star, and even though that was his biggest dream of his life, is to become just like Kiss, to become like this huge over, like this huge sensation. It took a toll on him because he wasn't used to it. It was a totally different lifestyle for him. He felt lonely. He couldn't. Uh, he he couldn't just like blend in the crowd anymore. Everyone knew his face. Everyone knew his name. And that was hard. That was a change for him. Second thing, much like Milo, Rivers went to college and uh, studied for a time, and he was like living in his dorm, writing music, and um, kind of dealing with the fact that other guys were like having good times with girls and stuff, and he, like, they were like socializing. And he, Rivers isn't really a social guy, so that's another thing to add to his anxiety. And the third biggest thing was that he was, uh, I don't know if you know this about Rivers, but he was born with a, a, a crippled leg. He had uh, one leg that was shorter than the other. So when he finally got the, after the success of Blue, he used the money they earned to repair his, um, the bone structure in his legs so that they were even. And that was an incredibly painful experience for him. He was, um, he had to go through physiotherapy. He was like unable to walk for a good couple months after the surgery. And that's where, that, that, I think all three of these things, the reason why I bring them up for context is that it really explains why Pinkerton is such, not even a sad album, just a really pessimistic album. All the energy surrounding each and every song is just completely layered in feedback and dissonance and distortion. And, and a lot of the vocals are just, not vocals, but the lyrics are like incredibly like, um... What's the word? Dour? Not, not dour. Confessional, I want to say, is a pretty good word for his stuff. Oh. Um, yeah, because, like, I, I'd say... 
Like songs like Across the Sea are incredibly like naked in their um, depictions of how he felt like getting fans from like across the world and how he'd often think about them when he was alone. And um, Butter Butterfly especially is a really, really uh, uh, emotional piece. I'll talk about that one later. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's... It, it shows the personal touch of this album because they didn't actually even hire a producer. They just did it themselves uh, in a studio. They did it all by themselves. And um, because of that, a lot of people found the album very raw and uh, un unrefined. And that kind of kicked them in the teeth when it came out. Um, and when it was released, when Pinkerton was released... Um, it was pretty much like middle of the road, like a, it was like a, it was almost considered a sophomore slump, which is, I don't know if like for people who write music and are in bands, basically your debut is often seen as your strongest, all the stuff that you want to put in the world that you've been working years and years and years on that you want released to the public. And then you have to make a second album shortly afterwards. And more often than not, most bands run the risk of having a second album that isn't nearly as good, doesn't have nearly as many singles, and is kind of seen as like a disappointment to a lot of fans. It still makes money because everyone's like beaming off the success of the first album, but the sophomore slump hits a lot of bands, and Weezer unfortunately got like labeled with that. Rivers didn't take too well to that. Matt Sharp. Uh, the bassist of the band didn't take too kindly to that either, and he uh, departed from the band after the negative uh, attention it got. And some say they went the heart of Weezer right there. Yeah, Matt Sharp was a really good, uh, was a very good uh, member of Weezer, and it is too bad that he left, but he went to form. Not, not to knock Scott at all. No, Scott but... Schreiner's good. And... Yeah, it's just uh, at the time, like, it was a, it was a harsh blow. Mm-hmm. And. I have to mention poor Mikey Welsh, too. His only contribution. Rest in peace, rest in peace Mikey Welsh, and your contributions to Green Album. Um, yes, and even the reception was so bad that Rolling Stone actually listed it as one of the worst albums of 1994. Oh. Which is pretty harsh, honestly. But um, Rivers didn't got into a really deep depression. He felt very... Um, embarrassed because he put so much of his personality into the the album that um when he started writing for green he buried himself in his room he locked himself in he painted everything all the walls even the windows black and he just wrote like hours upon hours of material and he just picked as many songs as he could that he thought audiences would like he wanted to be liked he no longer wanted to like write from the heart because yeah. he was so he was so hurt by his experience of Pinkerton. So uh, oh oh sorry go ahead go ahead. I'll just, just I'm not I just want to kind of like bring this up to a bit more of a a positive note. Thankfully, thank Godfully, people started over the period of about ten fifteen years. They really started to listen to Pinkerton more, and they really started to appreciate it. And word of mouth, internet forums. Um, Reevaluation really did this album a great service because eventually people started to really uh, adore this album. They thought it was very um, moving. They thought it was very like deep and like like it was like an intense, almost character study of someone like Rivers Cuomo. They thought there was a lot of things that 
he he didn't do previously or even much afterwards that because like Weezer is kind of like U2 and then it has a lot of peaks and valleys and they're getting into a bit of a renaissance now but at the time this was when they were just starting out and no one really knew what they were about and like yeah if you look at the 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 reviews that came out at the time that were kind of mixed and the reviews that came out like afterwards it's like night and day because now it's like considered almost like a perfect album like 10 out of 10s and 9 out of 10s galore um yeah if i i i i've talked a lot about the production stuff but like if i had to talk about my favorite songs i really like stuff like um no other one or like um falling for you that are just like really really like songs are where he's like mixed with the wrong type of girl and stuff like that um another song i really like is uh the final track butterfly i have a very personal story about that song um i was dating an older girl at the time she was like i don't know like seven years older than me and things were nice, like, she was a good girl, but the problem was is that we kind of got bored. I think it was, like, the age gap was just too tremendous, and it kind of, like, split us apart like a, like a fissure. So eventually it just got to the point where she said to me when she came to her house, it was like, I think we should break up. And I was like, yeah, I think so, too. I kind of agree. And so I took my guitar, and I played Butterfly for her just to kind of, like, let all her emotions out at once. And we both oh. kind of, and we both kind of like broke into tears by the middle, and I had to take several breaks because it was really emotional for me. Oh man! Yeah, yeah that was a that's a very heavy song to end the album. Um, there are some hits though, like there's like El Scorcho, which is a super quirky song. That's a that's, that's probably, a lot of fun. That's the fun song on this album. Don't think this whole album is like a tearjerker. The good life is like. I asked you to go to the Green Day concert. You said you never heard of them. No, How cool is that? Especially with modern Green Day, that you've God, never heard of them. God damn you half Japanese girls. You do it to me every time. <laughs> what a way uh, to start a song. The cello. So Lyle, when you were bringing up the uh, the Green album, I have something kind of funny and embarrassing to tell you. Okay. I, for the I, for the longest time, thought Island in the Sun was Third Eye Blind. Oh, my God. I mean... <laughs> it's embarrassing to say, but it's true. I mean, I don't... I don't at least you... You could have at least said Weedus or something related, you know? But, I don't know why. I don't know how that came about. I just, for the longest time, thought it was them. Like, I would know the song. I would hear it on the radio. I, I just always thought it was Third Eye Blind. I remember I mean, maybe someone... Maybe the DJ that was fucking saying the song, right? Oh, that was uh, that was uh, Third Eye Blind's new hit, uh, you know, "Island in the Sun." I'm like, what the? Fuck? I was well, I, I mean, that, that Cody, that goes to show that Rivers Cuomo wanted to be radio friendly after like the failure that was Pinkerton at the time. Yeah, he wanted to well, make songs yeah. that were trendy and I, could hit I an audience. That. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, broader appeal. I, I'm just not too familiar. I mean, of course, I know Buddy Holly and, you know, uh, uh, Say It Ain't So, you know, songs blue like album, those. basically. Yeah. Like, I know their Blue Album pretty well, but I Everyone do know knows. that they, they did that song right at the end of Jackass 3D. Memories. Oh, Memories? 
Yeah, memories, and it featured like all the Jackass crew singing the chorus, like "Memories make me want to go back yeah, there." Yeah, I yeah, the promotional strategies for Hurley were indeed ideas. Yeah. Oh, early. yes, and I, I want to bring that up. The since I'm one of the biggest Lost fans of all time, I approve on that fucking album cover because yeah. I died laughing when I was like, yeah, I, again, when Jorge Garcia was a thing. Yeah, yeah when I. I remember being in HMV and I was going through the music aisle and I literally There's I felt, lost time. I started bursting out laughing I'm like, "Oh my god, Hurley, what the fuck is he his face doing on an album? That's amazing." <laughs> yeah. There is a part of me that really wishes that Songs from the Black Hole proper would have come out because I have listened to various B-sides and sort of ideas for what was going to be because Pinkerton was initially going to be this spacey rock opera and then River sort of cut it down and whatever was left became Pinkerton but yeah on a related B-side note I just threw out the love of my dreams is yeah. amazing right. I love that B I mean some of Weezer's early era B-sides are even better than some of the songs that made the records. I very much agree with that. Like you gave your love to me softly. Yes, that one too. Tragic girl. I swear it's true is like pure grunge. Like that song really makes me want to punch Ooh. balls. I love that song. What song? Sorry. It's called uh I swear it's true. Maybe I'd girl, I true. swear it's true. <laughs> It's no. been two and a half weeks now. <laughs> now we've been apart. I got this uh, this record on CD from someone that I'm well, I'm no longer friends with. I still like this record quite a bit. You can still see a lot of that like sort of fear of rejection that Rivers had and sort of trying to get back to what you know his previous life was post leg surgery. I mean, a track like "Why Bother," for example, you know that chorus of like. Why bother trying because it's only going to hurt when you leave me. This happened to me twice before. It won't happen to me anymore. Just almost like that avow, like, I'm not going to let the pain of rejection affect me anymore. And even on The Good Life, where he's, because it was basically after he got the corrective surgery on his leg, he wanted to go back to how his life used to be. And, you know, you could kind of, uh, you could kind of look at it as like, you know, trying to get back in the swing of things. In yeah. some ways, I also, I also really like uh, sort of the, sort of, the how tired of sex starts off. Just like you know, basically, he doesn't really want to just keep hooking up with random women. He wants actual commitment. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys said it, but is Hurley an actual like good album? Or? It's all right. It has its moments. It actually has a uh, one of my favorite Weezer deep cuts, a train wrecks. That's a really good one. It's definitely um, okay. later, latter career Weezer, like when they started going into internet culture and stuff like that. Like anything post Red album, it's kind of like that. It's it's fun. Yeah, ruling me and Trainwrecks are good from that. But again, we're getting in the once the 2010s hit Weezer. When Lyle said there are peaks and valleys, it felt like after a certain point, it was literally just good, bad, good, bad. Everything will be all right in the end. Is sort of like their comeback record in the mid 2010s That's that a lot of people album. enjoyed at the time i think it holds up mostly well not all of it but it was in the right direction white album i'm kind of mixed on i like some of it but maybe at least for me it might be a little too sunny but i like some of it pacific yeah. daydream not good teal album a covers album to distract from how black Luster black album was i've heard lots of good things about okay human i haven't listened to it yet but maybe i will 
And Van Weezer was delayed a year, even though it was basically already done. But I've heard the end of the game, and that if the album is a lot like that, then I might like it. But yeah, Pinkerton itself is still just like that's sort of the peak of the original era of what the band was. Uh, even if a song like Pink Triangles kind of got a funny, you know, a funny, a quote unquote funny conclusion, but probably not super ideal. You know, you think you have feelings for someone and they turn out to prefer the same gender. Yeah. So, How dumb. but what's <laughs> apparently it's been using a lot of TikToks lately. Oh, really? I don't, I don't, I, I, I know. never use TikTok, so I don't know. That's a goofy song, though, like Pink Triangle, but as a yeah, really... it's goofy, but much like Milo Goes to College, some of it doesn't age super well. well I, I actually mean, really... Oh, go ahead. Uh, like, even stuff like Across the Sea, where he's thinking about, like, a girl... Yeah, that, that one a... line in the second verse, I'm like... And, ladies and gentlemen, we now know... we. This is where Rivers Cuomo's, uh, you know, preferences first made themselves apparent. I'm about to ruin this whole man's career. <laughs> Yeah. No, like that was no. It was just more like uh, the thing that kind of comes up in some future Weezer songs. Uh, get you also. Get you's chorus is really good. Get you. Uh huh. Get you. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I got a. Oh, sorry. I was just about to say. I don't know if there's like a a review for. Hurley, but I would love if there's actually like a, a positive album or sorry, a positive review for Hurley that just says, dude. Because that was Hurley's quote from Lost. Okay. You can tell <laughs> that none of like, us have ever heard of Lost. But yeah. I know. It's the it's it's this generation's asking more questions than it's ever gonna answer, and so you never really get fully satisfied from an from an episode. That's kind of well, why I don't want to watch it, to be honest. But eh. I, I disagree wholeheartedly, and maybe I should make my own podcast one day to deep dive into it. <laughs> you could call it Lost and Found if someone hasn't already <laughs> taken the name. Yes, uh, you know what? I will go with that. All right, and I will give <laughs> all royalties and credit to you, Josh. <laughs> wow. Dang it. How little that will be. <laughs> um, now, Cody, I, I take it you haven't listened to Pinkerton very much, have you? No, not really. To be honest, I'm not too big on Weezer. To be honest, and you might disagree with me when I say this statement, but like I kind of put him in that category with like Green Day, where it's like, yeah, they're fine. I I respect them for who they are. The that kind of '90s alternative, but I just wasn't really into that particular sound. It's kind of funny you mentioned Green Day since they had that epic tour with the Fallout Boy planned, but oh no. The cough virus came and ruined everything. Again, all those acts' most recent records have been very middling to disappointing. Although, as we're recording this, Green Day put out a new song a week or two ago that sounds like it could be something, but apparently they're not on Warner anymore, so I don't know. Again, this same friend that I got Pinkerton from really likes Green Day, and to the point where I'm just kind of like, I don't really think I like much of their stuff anymore beyond like 21st Century Breakdown. I didn't like the trilogy anyways, but like it is an off thing. You know, when you have that friend that likes something so much, it kind of kills your enjoyment of it. Yes. Yeah. I won't, I won't name, I won't name people, but yes, I do know people that kill certain properties for me. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say earlier, though, I, I think you should definitely at least give El Scorcho a try, Cody, just because in the bridge that tempo change when it gets fast, you know, how stupid is it? I can't talk about it. I got to sing about it and take and a record, record of, of my heart. And the, the little the guitar solo in the bridge where you hear those little, like, falsetto parts, the version of the song in Rock Band, I think, uses a different take, but, like, that was one of the first uh, introductions to this record I got was playing El Scorcho and Rock Band. And then yeah. Why Bother was in Guitar Hero 5, so I had a lot of fun with that one. So you can't really go wrong with it, some of the singles from here. Uh, El Scorcho, The Good Life, Why Bother. Yeah, I mean, if, if nothing else, I, I prefer more of the deep cuts or the um, B-sides, but Cody, I think you would like I Swear It's True. If you're if you're as much of a grunge head as I am, um, yeah, I'm solo on that one for sure. Yeah, yeah okay, I'll so, also agree with Lyle on Butterfly. Absolutely wrecking. Yeah, Butterfly is devastating. I will warn you. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I I would listen to more Green Day, but I don't have the time. I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you mean you you do you have the time tick tick ticking in your head? Got the time tick tick ticking in my head. Hey, got the time tick tick ticking in my head. This doesn't sound uh, like a song off of Dookie and or American Idiot and or 21st Century Breakdown. What is this? Well, got the time. It's the Anthrax cover of the Joe Jackson song. I like uh, how I like how uh, Holiday bleeds into Boulevard for Broken Dreams. That's 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 a cool. Segue. Unrelated Weezer news. In terms of like, I my girlfriend and I try to do this mashup called Weezus, where we mix together Beverly Hills and Teenage Dirtbag. It goes oh, over pretty deep. My God, <laughs> yeah, that works. I can see that now. Because at first I thought, now I'm imagining the singer for Weezus covering Island in the Sun. Well, it's kind of <laughs> funny because like Weezer covered a Toto song, and then Toto covered a Weezer song. I'm surprised they didn't do and that. Yeah, and, then the, and then Africa, their Africa cover became a meme. Didn't. I feel like Weezer did Teenage Dirtbag live once. I could be wrong about that. Oh, well, I'm surprised that didn't even show up on the Teal album. I mean, I know it is basically cover to cover, like a Weezer imitation kind of song, but like they could really nail that song. And then Weezer could be like, hey, our influences uh, noticed us. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I didn't I'm write the Teal album. I'm curious to see if either of you. I'm curious to see if any of you guys have checked out any of the Alone series of, like, Rivers demos and stuff. Um, not all of them, but, yeah, I have heard a lot of their other uh, pieces. Um, I, I, I do pay attention to their B-sides, but there is a huge backlog of stuff that are, is kind of just in his, like, recording studio and stuff. <laughs> do you think if they make another Teal album, they're going to call it Turquoise? They're running out of colors for this self-titled. Like, it would be fitting if the very last thing they ever do is, I don't know, just an untitled because it's like a way of acknowledging like, yeah, we finally ran out of colors. I thought for the Olympics before, you know, in the before times, they were going to do, as a joke, I thought, how about three covers records, bronze, silver, and gold, all of which have... Uh, covers of Japanese songs because the Olympics were supposed to be in Tokyo. Uh, Weezer does like Japan, so I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe their final album will just be called Rainbow or something. I don't know. Kesha already beat them to the punch on that. God damn it. <laughs> and it's a good record, too. Well, Radiohead, too, like in Rainbows. I don't know. Oh, oh yes. in Rainbows. That's a great album. 
Well, then talk about it later. <laughs> Keep it in yeah. the backlog of your mind as we do another volume sometime. Uh, with that, I, I think... Yeah, right. I hope there's endless volumes. Mm-hmm. Endless, nameless, titleless, volumeless, and so on and so forth. <laughs> I'll get James Gunn on the phone. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we've had fun tonight, everybody. It's been great uh, doing this again. Josh, I'm very happy to have you uh, join us. Uh, I look forward to doing more uh, in the future. This For is, sure. Uh, this is really fun to do. Um, thank you, for everyone, for joining us. Uh, this has been another episode of So Speak. I hope you enjoyed it. Good night, everybody. And listen responsibly. <laughs>